every formula coming at you live from venus uncle dre and auntie chris bring you gangster goddess broadcast um gangster goddess episode six who the f- knows what episode it is hi Oh, hi. Chris, welcome to Gangster Goddess Podcast. Hey, thank you. Chris Kushner. Yes. Dre DiMatteo. <laughs> Dre DiMatteo. Chris Kushner. I'm a little out of it today. I'm going to keep hitting the microphone with my glasses. Please Is don't. that going to work for the producers in here? You can just push the mic away a little bit. No, I'm just going to keep hitting it. Definitely just Sorry. do that. I'm so sleepy right now. Hold Wake on. Let up. me put my glasses Wake up. on. Wake up. We have a very special guest today, guys. Mm-hmm. All you Soprano fans out there are going to be very excited about Mr. David Proval. I mean, yes, he was known as Richie Aprile yes. um, on The Sopranos, but he's also done a lot of other awesome things. Um, but uh, we're going to let him talk about that stuff with us. Right now, Chris and I will get into our Busted. good mornings to each oh, other. Oh, good mornings. Good mornings. It's good evening. Or whatever. You're weird. You know, um, it's the, we wake up late. We do. In quarantine. Well, I don't. You do. You wake up late. It's true. I stay up late. You stay up. You go, you go to sleep is like three o'clock in the morning, right? Yes. Uh, four. Really? Lately. How do you even deal? Like I, I, I. The kids are up with me. My God. My kids have been going to sleep around like 11 or 12, sometimes, sometimes one or two. But I wake up early. It's like a cruel joke. I'm supposed to be able to sleep in on a quarantine. No, you're up. You're up really um, early because you're dealing with the business aspect of our oh podcast. God. Well, you are too. I know you always like to no. put everything on me, but you're dealing with a lot of the business too, which definitely has got me busted. <laughs> I'm not really dealing with the business. You are. This is our busted and readjusted no, right you're now. De- just joking. <laughs> no, you're dealing with it. I don't want it. She's, she's mean to me. She hits me. No, stop. She hits me at night. It's a good partnership. I beat you. You make some calls here and there. I get on the phone calls. I listen. I'm in the background. I You're go, uh-huh. Right. No. Uh-huh. You have so... Sometimes I chime in. Sometimes I'll say something and Chris is probably like, how does she even know that? <laughs> I'm Googling sometimes. on the phone. It's all great. Well, We're we've doing never it. done stuff for our... This is what's, I think, a little crazy. We've never done it for ourselves. No. We've always worked for other people. I know I feel more comfortable. I don't know about you guys out there, but I feel more comfortable having a boss, which is why I joke around that Chris is my <laughs> boss. Um, and she hates the title, but I, I hate oh, it. But I need to feel like I oh my God, we get have into fights. a little bit of a boss because I am not, everybody's a different personality type. There are some people who would absolutely would never dream of having a boss. And there are other people that work better knowing they have a deadline, um, people that don't take initiative as much. And I've realized in my older age, I used to be much more ambitious as a younger woman, but now that I'm, you know, a mom and stuff, I'm I'm not as ambitious. You are. So it's I easy like, for me to just follow you. I like being a <laughs> I like being a, an owner, a boss within a group. Do yeah. you know what I mean? We like because to I do like to collaborate but work for one common goal that's ours. Right. But I do need that, like the bouncing the ideas off of somebody. I like that. I like that process because if and it's she just and I will me, get into tiffs oh about it. Oh yes, but then we we it, we always figure it out. Yeah, and I think there's a scene in this episode actually, Toodle f- ooh, um, where you see a lot of the men having a lot of issues with each other yeah. through this episode, mm-hmm. and there's some there, there there are some rifts with the women too. But you see how the women make up. 
yeah. here, how they try to negotiate and how quickly it can happen with females. Um, it happens with certain men too, but in general, that's not the norm. It's not the norm. It's it's usually uh-huh. more of a standoff. So, I mean, of course, if you're dealing with Aida and Livia, that might not be the case. Janice and um, Carmella. Carmella, they had a great they had a great little makeup session here. Yeah, in this one, I think when there's understanding behind behind a lot of motivations, there's if you if you could always find that. But anyway. Yeah. Hello everyone. Today's episode of the Gangster Goddess broadcast is brought to you by TheraOne Revive CBD Balm. This is how I prepare to do my podcast every day, so I want to share it with you. And for a limited time until Labor Day, September 7th, if you go to theragun, theragun.com GG, you can buy one and get one for free. Theragon.com slash GG. Buy one, get one free. This is the best CBD. Mm-hmm. Enjoy the show. Without further ado. Yes. <laughs> I like saying adieu. Oh, Sorry. Yeah. Um, let's bring on David Proval. Yes. My friend, Uncle Richie April. There you Hello. are. Am you I? don't know how happy I am to see your face. I took a shave today for you. You look nice. Why? Why would you I, take a shave? I well, because Cheryl screamed at me. She said, "Look what you look like. You look like a homeless." This is fucking no good. Uh, um, why do you do you, you don't you don't need headphones? Not, should I not curse? Okay. Uh, no, you can curse. All as, as a matter of fact, cursing is encouraged. Episode six. <laughs> Yeah. No, oh, we're doing episode three. Don't worry. Oh, no. I, I don't do something. <laughs> no, no. You, we, you confused this. I, I, I'm sorry. I have to. <laughs> I love it. Oh, my God. I'm so happy <laughs> to Skid see your bit, face. Right? Just a little bit. Figuring he's crazy. Me, got all these out. old actor now. And who knows what his, uh, his quirks are, his secrecies, well, and how crazy he is. Okay. Hello. Well, David, you are Hi. our first. Um, you are our first Soprano rewatch guest on Gangster Goddess broadcast. We were doing a different podcast before for season one, no. um, but you're our first for season two. You might be our only because you're my favorite. Mine too. <laughs> when I first laid eyes on you, ah, uh, in the reading room of the Sopranos where everybody used to get table read. Oh, I hated the table reads. Yeah, they were horrible. Petrified. Petrified. Yeah, they, they were, they were tension-creating. If you want tension, you go in that room. If you need... Well, any reading room. You and I are very similar in that way. You and yeah. I are always very nervous at first. No one would ever know it, but... Never. We're shaking. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, you guys uh, are like cool boots, as cucumbers, boots, both of boots, you. My boots, Yeah. But anyway, I said to you... Now, I don't know this, and you may be able to clear this up, and you may not be because it may not be in your memory at all, but it's vividly in mine. We were, at the end of the reading, I had seen you on an episode of the first season, and you had done something I thought was terrific in, in the scene with Michael. Now, I don't know whether you were in an elevator on the show or we were in an elevator in reality. So, <laughs> I'm, I'm confused there whether reality, you know, which one crosses over. But 
you were standing there and I really wanted to tell you how impressed I was with your work in an episode that I had seen and you had done something that I thought was terrific and you did a cat thing in the episode. Oh, God. Oh, oh, I know what that episode <laughs> is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, were you remember it? And then you went, meow. Uh-huh. Remember it? Yeah. Okay. Yes, well, I do. Oh, oh, good, good. So then I'm not there. Right? And I thought it was, the scene was terrific and I thought it was, but I have a tendency and I know it and I still have it now that when I talk to another actor, I, I don't, I don't talk to them in, in sentences. I talk to another actor in moments, you know, oh, thank like, God. you know, when you did this, <laughs> yeah. And I, yeah. all I said to you was, Oh, you know, this, yeah. And you said, and we never spoke. And that was the first thing I said to you was, you know, this, mm-hmm. and you looked at me with such uh repulsive and uh, <laughs> You said to yourself, do I have another drooling schmuck on this movie, no. on this show now? No. Do I have another drooler, another guy who's going to come around and make a fool of himself in front of and, and, and that was the expression on your face. I said, oh, way to begin this show. The first thing I say is, I want to be nice, and I look like a schmuck here. <laughs> Wait, did I really look at you like you were crazy? Show, you know, and I... I really was actor to actor that moment. And that's the truth. I really we were just an actor saying I don't remember that. this moment. What? I don't remember the I don't remember the well, moment. Of course you and don't first remember of all, it. I remember. you know, let me tell you. Let me tell you something, David. We must have been in an elevator, number one, and yeah. I was probably in the middle of a fucking panic attack, which was really what you were noticing instead of my Maybe disdain so. for you going meow. Maybe but, so. <laughs> but I'll tell you what, when I had to play that meow scene, yeah. the nerves how nervous I was that the two actors had to be sitting down, Pokeem Woodbine and, and Michael Imperioli, mm-hmm. and I had to be in front of everyone in this see-through dress, dancing <laughs> and singing oh along God. to a song. It, and you and I know this about each other. First of all, two things that you and I have in common. We don't remember anything, but then, <laughs> but yet again, you remember everything, believe it or not. Well, that's just got to get you warmed up. <laughs> and the second thing is, our nerve level when we're about to start acting, it's like we're tigers in a cage. Right. And then they finally let us out. I remember Exactly. Um, you know, it's a great way we just it. did we just did that movie um together recently and that yeah. was we'll talk about that. My heroes have been women all my life. Because those are the amazing pe- people that came through for me. This is this is this is already turning into a psych psychodrama. <laughs> Actually, I'm Betty White. You're Dr. Phil. I want to be Dr. Phil. <laughs> Our first night shooting together was in the van. When oh, you so. had to drive. And I... Her drive? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I was really sympathetic for both of Sorry, us. Sorry, David. I'm out of New York. She's out of New York. I'm, I can drive, but we're not, you know, we're not roasters. You know, we're not people who can. And she had to yeah. hit a sandbag. Uh, oh, so she no. parked right so I can get out of the car and do the next scene. And she was so fucked. I was so upset about parking and the thing. And, and I'm saying, I'm a terrible parker myself. I wish I could help you, but I can't. And uh, so it was our first, I think it was my. I don't was know. this for um, episode three? Yeah, it was when episode three. Well, my first night, I think, almost. Oh, wow. Was, there, was it your first night of shooting? I think so, episode? yeah. I believe oh, it was. 
Yeah, I think that was the only scene I even had. I remember that clearly that you were upset. Mm -hmm. I can't believe you remember any of that. I don't even remember. I don't remember any of it. You know, you and I were around something that was having to prove they weren't a one-trick pony. They had the first season, and the pressure was enormous around them. David and all of them. You, it was. Was the show huge already when you got called in for the role? Yeah, they had that one season. Was the buzz already huge? Well, here's, you want to talk about the show, what the the thing was, I, uh, that night, they did it at the Ziegfeld. Do you remember that? There was a big. Yes. Okay. The second season night. The second season. And Michael Imperioli came up to me and the streets were jammed with cops and people and I, and they picked us up in limos and I said, what is going yeah, on? This is a television show. What are they doing here? <laughs> and Michael Imperioli came up to me and said, do you feel like the Beatles? Oh. I said, yeah, something like that. <laughs> what, what, what's going like on? Confused. So yeah. we go in and David gets up and makes an announcement. Now, I thought I had a free ride that night because I thought they were showing the first and second episodes. That's all no. it was, no? No. I was the third. You really ep- have no memory. You <laughs> showed the third? I was the third episode. He came up. Oh, you weren't. Right. You started. He came up and he said, we have an announcement to make David Chase. To- I usually, we usually play the first two episodes like last season, but because of a plot problem, we're playing the first and third. And I went, oh my <gasps> God, I, I thought we'd <gasps> sit here and go. And that's the episode. Oh, I was, I didn't know. I didn't know. And so I crawled into the seat and, and uh, I remember that night. Clearly, I remember So that dynamic. Day. That episode was so dynamic. It's so great. And that's what we're here to discuss. Yeah. yeah You're well, what happened toodle-fucking-oo. For me, yeah, toodle-fucking-oo. Uh, what happened for me was I didn't know I was going to be up on the screen. And now this place was filled. You remember. It was jammed with. Yeah, I mean, I barely remember. I forgot that they played one and three. I mean, you're reminding me now. I forget fucking everything. Okay, good. So I'm, I'm doing a thing today. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you're leading the ship. Thank this you. is your show today. Right, Welcome to Gangster Gods Podcast. I do. I, I, I remember all this. I do. Well, it was this moment in our lives, and the place was jammed. And we're sitting. I'm sitting. I'm watching. I'm looking. I'm sitting. I'm watching. And there was a moment where I knew it was in the in the cafe in the pizza parlor, the hitting him with the coffee cup. Oh yeah. Before that, that, yeah. And when I I looked up and I looked at the scene, and the person sitting next to me, I said to them, referring to Richie April, I said, "Oh, that guy has fucking problems." (laughs) And I just said it, and I remember saying it like I'm watching something else because I don't really. Wait a second. Your work on that episode was outstanding. It was wild. I looked up and I said, that guy has a problem. Because I I was so separate from I was sitting next to you. You were? I was right next to you. Now that you're saying that, I'm remembering. Then then it was you. You're saying that. Oh, okay. Oh, Oh, okay. I mean, it was hard. You said it too. Look at me. Look at me jogging my memory. No, I was near you. I was definitely near you. You Um, Can I just tell you what I did last night? Because I think that you'll, you'll think it's funny. Um, 
I needed to jog my memory on Mean Streets because it was the it was the the movie that I wrote my um, my senior thesis mm. on in NYU. I was obsessed with that film as a kid. So last night, my kids had to go to bed. It was midnight. They were like, we don't want to go to bed. I was like, either you go to bed now or you have to sit and watch a movie that mommy's going to watch and you're going to be bored. Well, they watched loved it, all of they? Main Streets. I closed their eyes for the titty stuff. That was it. They totally loved it. My son was like, and then you came on and they go, I know that guy. <coughs> and I'm like, what the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> they go from UHF. Ah! Oh! From what? It's what what a kids movie I did a hundred years ago. It's a well, kids what? movie I did a hundred years ago. It's got a great yeah. following. That movie and I got oh one my, scene. I, in couldn't it. I play a my pilot. Friend. I'm flying uh, a vampire. I'm flying Dracula in my plane. And kids come up to me and say, "You're in my favorite movie, UHF." Yeah. My oh no 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 no! no. That's the one with. Weird Al Yankovic. Yeah, yeah. No, you were a thug. I think you were one of the thugs. Thug, thug. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's yeah. another kids' movie that's got a tremendous. Oh, wait a minute! The everybody loves Raymond. My kids are oh. obsessed with Everybody Loves Raymond. Too, My dad so. loves too. Yeah, lots of. That different... was not a good experience. You you did a show, a comedy show too, didn't you? Yeah, we had a hard time with that. Both you and I, we talked oh, really? about this. Yeah. Why? Well, Very you difficult. know, it, it's strange that you and I would have a problem with this because you do come from the theater, right? Yes. Originally, of course. Do you know my mom? We, I, we I met your mother a couple of times, yes. Back when you, I don't probably know before her, you knew but me. I met her, yes. Back at HB during those days. My mom was a, for those of you who don't know what the hell I'm talking about, my mom was a Writing. playwright and taught Writer. at HB Studios for years. But, um, a beautiful woman. But you would, th thank you. But you would think that coming from the theater, in some ways, doing a sitcom in front of 500 people every night would make sense to us, yeah. but it doesn't because no. they change your dialogue every two seconds. And for yes. people like David and I, who and that when they want you to say things verbatim, we need time with a script. Yes, yes, yes. Um, all those cameras around, yes. five cameras, six cameras, and then the canned laughter. You know, the waiting, holding for laughs. Uh -huh. I mean, which we normally do in theater, anyways. Right, right but, you do, yeah. But, but they're there. But it was theater, yeah. And you get to take with, with a play, you can tear apart a script for months. Mm -hmm. And then on a sitcom, that you get the script the day of half the time, they're changing it on you. Uh, you can't work on anything, right? It's a difficult process. It's a different kind of it's a different kind well, of acting, which yeah. is another beautiful art form if you can handle it's it. It's another I art form, and that's true. And I've said that exactly what you just said. It's another kind yeah. of theater. That has a, another kind of metabolism to it, you know. That I don't have no that you have that kind of metabolism. I'm not goofing on it. I'm not making fun of it. But no, there are you know they do this bouncy thing, yeah. and they're very good at it. And so when I'm yeah. around it, all I feel like is a piece of lead. I feel like me I'm, too. I feel like a loser the whole right, time. Right, I feel terrible, and especially and you then, and I with our. Yeah, it's uh, you can't live up to it. It's we have to it's, have it's, a it's handle. Its own. I have the truth. most respect for it too. Yeah, lots I, of respect for it. Well, <laughs> I, went, I went to a, a number one comedy show that was about that Raymond show that was about to mm -hmm. get all the jingle and put it in their pockets because they know the show is going to be over. And and, and it, yeah. for me, look, I don't care who hears it. And I'll say it, and Phil Rosenthal, whatever the guy, he's the executive producer. I try to be a nice guy. I had a bad time on the show, and they had a bad time with me. And mm, I think sorry. they did. It and and yeah. they should, and I, and I have no regrets. That's mm -hmm. life. 
It and, happens. Yeah. I, you know, I had a rough but, time. But on I'll Joey tell you something. The, 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 when you go to the bank, their checks clear. They go yeah, right. right. <laughs> Warner Brothers. It's Warner Brothers. I love the check. Warner Brothers. You know it's going to clear. So yeah, that's a good get. Hey. Yeah. Because hey, mine was never syndicated, so I don't get residuals from that show. So I definitely suffered quietly, and oh. there wasn't much of a payoff. But oh. the payoff was that I had a fantastic time with Matt LeBlanc. So oh, I can't okay. complain. All we right. did have a we really did have a great time together, and you would you would love him too. <laughs> oh, okay, good. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I, but other I like than that, it was I... hard for me. I see who it was, but I know you were yeah. happy. And I, I, that's all right. That happens to all of us. No, it happens. But you know what? We had a great time on The Freaking Sopranos. Oh, my gosh. I can't even imagine. That was, you. look, you know, for us, for all of us, it will always be, a, 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 for the rest of our lives, uh, something that's been a precious gift. And it has been a precious gift. We did um, television that will as pedigree will always have a kind of respect, a breakthrough ground for HBO. HBO love has yeah. love yeah. you a lot and, and be grateful yeah. to you a lot. And, and to myself and to our sweet Jimmy in heaven. And, uh, uh, yeah. It, yeah. it was, that comes along. Not that often. It's like but once in a lifetime. No. We've been able I mean, that to show touched so many people. But we've been able to be part of, and we went to New Jersey uh, two years ago, a year ago, and, you should see. We went to. They set up this thing for Sopranos in New Jersey. Uh-huh. You were there. Oh yeah, you were there. The convention. I got from there late because my kids over were over the world coming to see Drea. Lines, lines. Ah. Okay, okay. I won't talk stop. about. It. No, 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 no. I don't care. Really, and it meant so much to them. It meant a great deal. Oh, to them. that's great. Well, I wouldn't Precious. leave. Remember, I I stayed. I stayed till after it closed. And I, the line. Oh, I, no, I, you couldn't leave. leave because they wouldn't let you leave. <laughs> well, no, the, the, the owners wanted me to stop signing. They were like, you got to go. And I was like, I'm not leaving because these folks are here. Like, they, yeah. they paid to be here. I'm, it I'm didn't stop. They, they, you were much loved. Everybody was loving you. And, and, and um, what else happened? Well, they go try to do another one, but that's something else. I don't know. <laughs> wait, wait a second. Wait, I got to tell you something real quick. Um, for the people who, you know, we have a lot of new Soprano binge watchers. People, kids are watching. Like, I'm not used to this. I, I'm, so almost, crazy. I'm almost 50, you know? So people are still Adriana, Adriana. And these kids are in their 20s, you know what I mean? So for the, the kids that are that are listening to the rewatch, also a lot of young kids like to listen to our rewatch because we're fucking filthy and foul mouth. Um, we're behaving. And we're being so we're nice for you, for you, David. It's cute. It's adorable. <laughs> but, uh, Look what I got here. <laughs> okay, good, good, good. But um, so cute. The thing about David Proval, everybody, and now I'm going to talk about you like you're not here for two seconds, is that you were on the cutting edge of two um, really big mob genres um, from Mean Streets, which was Martin Scorsese's first mob film. It's the second film, I think it was, right? For, for um, Marty? That was. It was a sec. Was it a well, second? Well, yeah, who's that knocking was first. Right. This is his first dive into the mob world mm-hmm. and into the streets of New York and all that sort of stuff. And then, um, and that was a uh, that was nineteen seventy three. I think. Yeah, very 72. good. And then the Godfather came out in seventy three. Which I have a question about this. I mean, you might know the answer. I know De Niro's first movie, and it was your first movie, was Mean Streets, right? Right. But then The Godfather came out 
a year later. Oh no 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 right? no 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 no! Godfather, we were we came out in seventy three. Godfather was seventy two. I'm sorry. I, I, oh it's, yeah, it was it was mixed up okay. something like that. But yeah, yeah. how did you guys film Mean Streets way before the Godfather was even shot or something? No. Like how did and then it just came out? No. It, I, it, I got confused about the timelines. No, God, Godfather had already made an impact when we were it shooting had, okay. Mean Streets. Uh, but the style I, think, of I believe streets. so. Godfather had already made an impact. Yeah, because it was. It was yeah, huge. and Bob yeah, had already I wasn't even auditioned. Born yet. <laughs> you were not born yet. I was just being born. Uh-huh. And she wasn't born yet. Oh, 74, almost. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> I know. But uh I know. But David, <laughs> that film um set the tone for for the Sopranos. I mean, that film was the the first of its kind, oh, of you know, it was the music, oh, the long the David shot. Chase I mean, that shot it, yeah. in the in the pool room where he where he gets where I can't remember the mook when the guy when the guy calls him a mook. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. That shot where he they're getting beaten up. He's getting beaten up, and it's going around the pool. I mean, all of those those shots, the music, the stones, the long mm. shots, the the red hues in your bar and Tony's bar. Right. Um, that you guys started. The Godfather was a, a separate entity. That's true. That film, that film, Mean Streets was. It would be what a lot of films would then copy, including. The Sopranos, not copy, pay homage to. Yeah, yeah, yeah right, right. Um, no, inspir- inspired by and blah, blah, blah. hundred yes. percent. Yeah, no, 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 that film. It, you know, want a story about and that then, film? Oh, yeah, I want, I want all the stories on oh, that film. Oh, okay, okay. And tell us, because <laughs> you, you text me when we get tired of talking, you, you'll say it or I'll say it or something. But, but I'll No, when, only when you get tired. When you get tired. Oh, Dre, she can talk oh, forever. I'll You're going to have to... You're going to have to tell us because oh. she can go all no, night. Is, this is fun. This is great. <laughs> this is fun. Uh, I, um, Martin Scorsese chased John Voight for a while because he found out that John Voight was considering priesthood. He went what? to a Catholic oh, university and so did Marty. Yeah, John Voight was considering oh, the, wow. the uh-huh. priesthood. At one time of his life, and so was Marty. I think you know that Marty was yes contemplating the priesthood. Wow. Okay, and he found that out about him, and so he went after. And John and I and some other wonderful actors, Terry Gar, great actors, were in the room. We had our own little group. We we used to meet three, four times a week and help each other out if somebody had an audition or if somebody was working on it, you know, whatever. And John said, "Well." you know, uh, why don't you come down to my group tonight and sit and sit to Marty. And that's where I met Marty, when Marty came into the group. And Richard Romanos, who played Michael, the Shylock, was in the group oh, yeah. too. And he's and on then, The Sopranos playing Lorraine Bracco's ex-husband. They were chasing Don Voigt to do the Charlie role. Wow. And John at the time, and I was so very thin. And a year later, when I met him again, I was fat. I used to 30 pounds, 30, whatever. But uh, You're like us. Yeah, we go back. But I put on 30 pounds. <laughs> it's time to do it. So he, he, um, he called me, John, and he said, what am I to do? John Boy called me and said, what am I to do? Break my nose and dye my hair? 
for your career. I can't yeah. play this guy. He's an Italian from, you know, blah, 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 blah. I told him, get an unknown. Get people, you know. And But you got to get David. So John was pushing me for the Bob role, for the Johnny Boy role. Yeah, you could yeah, look yeah. It then I was skinny. You could look it. Then you put on weight. You don't look it. You know, it's a meat business anyway. So, so uh, yeah, you know. So, so I saw uh, the second time. I says John pushed me for the other role, and that's how I met Morris Gossessi. It was Marilyn Hassett, a very fine actress. Nobody knows her right now for some reason, but she she was she was in the group, and uh, that's how Martin Scorsese came into my life through John Voight. It came into into Richard Ramos. He came in and he saw I, me in the group. And, then and it, you, uh, you, you did, um, you and Kaitel also were on Miami Vice together. Or no, Kojak. No, no, the Kojak. first episode of Kojak. First the very episode. first episode of Kojak. How do you know that? The first episode yeah, of Kojak. I know of two you or three did your things. homework. Yeah, well, yeah, 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 you, yeah. The first episode of Kojak. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, which I love. And then you and Romanus were also in that Wizards cartoon, which I'm dying what to. Wizards cartoon? A, a Bakshi Yeah, cartoon. Ralph Bakshi. We did the lead yeah. voices. Oh, wow. Yeah, he did Fritz the Cat, all, you know, all of these like really crazy cartoons, which I'm dying to revisit Wizards because I haven't seen it since I was in, in hey, college. Hey, Good Looking. But, um, yeah, Ralph were you Ryan. in Hey, Good Looking too? Yeah, Hey, Good Looking. The, oh, were you in it? I was the lead uh, voice uh, the uh, crazy Shapiro. Oh. I lived in a garbage can. Yeah. Wait a How do I not know that? I know your wizard's voice, but I don't know. Oh, wow. and I'm in okay. the, uh, hey, good looking. I do the lead voice and the voice in wizards. Yes. Oh my God. Well, Romanus was in wizards too with you. Hey, listen, we were having trouble shooting a scene, and Ralph and Marty Scorsese were real good friends. Marty was in the hospital in Cedar Sinai because he had asthma at the time. And he mm -hmm. had a severe asthma attack. He says, I want to go to the hospital, visit Marty, and I, uh, I want to talk to him. Come with me. I said, well, listen, the guy is not in good shape right now. Why? You, why, why? He said, no, I got to talk to him. I said, all right. I go to the hospital with Ralph Baxter. This is how wild these men are. Ralph oh is worried about his scene. His Marty in a bed with, with a mask. No. His yeah, yeah. And, oh <laughs> and Ralph God. lifts up the, t the thing and puts himself in bed with Marty. Yeah. He said, Marty, I'm having yeah. trouble shooting this scene. You got to talk to me about it. That's how wild um, these guys And Marty, Marty said, okay, okay. He was excited about it. Marty wasn't <laughs> feeling like, yeah, we'll talk. And a wow. doctor came in and said, oh, excuse me. Excuse me. You can't do the this. nurses were like, get the hell out of here. Yeah, yeah. David Ralph <laughs> crawled into the tent with Marty Scorsese to talk about a scene in his movie. <laughs> and Marty said, fine. Yeah. That's how crazy yeah. these people are. Did, they, did he they're give any advice? people. I mean, they're dangerous people. <laughs> yeah, Marty. Uh, how, how much fun Do you know was Marty? Being... Does he know you? No. I, I you know, I had, um, they pulled me off the set of my last uh, TV show, Shades of Blue, which was not an easy thing to do because I'm on J-Lo's schedule, like, big time. And um, but they called me off for The Irishman, and I didn't feel like I was right for the part. And I remember I went in and I read and I, uh, in, a, in a hotel yeah, room with El, I, with um, his main casting lady. And um, I, I think I remember standing up and saying, I think that Catherine Narducci would be perfect for this. Did you say and that? It, yeah, because she was perfect She's for perfect. it. And she played that part. I haven't seen it yet, though. I'm dying to see it. But um, but Narducci's like one of my my favorite people. So, yeah, yeah. so that was um, 
that was a good that was that was a, a, the right casting. Bob I was Niro not the right casting is for playing that. And bought her artwork. Last time I spoke, her to art her. is amazing. She's an artist. Her art know. is yeah. gorgeous. It's um, wild. She's she's so fucking yeah, primal. Oh, we have to have her yeah. on after David. At yeah, some point. yeah, yeah, her. yeah, yeah, yeah. He is real interested in bought her art or something, or bought a painting from her. And well, they, yeah, they her. go back. Oh yeah, yeah. These, yeah. I I I would assume that Marty would. Um, <laughs> Had you on his list for actors, you know, since Sopranos. Um, Maybe yeah, when you, you know, when you, you know. When you play He's a character finished. on television, as you know, with TV, right? When you're when you play the same, and I've heard you say this in an interview, um, being on TV back in those days was not considered um, a good a great thing because like nobody would want to hire you for a movie because now people are so used to you being in their living room oh, yeah. all day exactly. that you have now become, was not only are you a household name, you are a household fixture yeah. in their house. They think like, they know you. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So once you play a character like that for so long, it's kind of hard. I agree with that. I have that. said that. I have said that. And it was, and I had to do television because mm -hmm. I had to make a buck. I, I'm one of those guys who had, a, had kids at nine years old. I got married. I was seven years old. Remember those guys? Oh, I'm yeah, seven already. I gotta get married. I waited I have till a kid. I'm I was. I'm still not old. married. <laughs> I had kids. I was. My son is older than me now. I have a film. Yeah, God, I love you. I have a 54 year old so son. Much. Oh, my God. How many yes, kids I do. do you have? I have a 52 year old daughter. I have a 20 year old granddaughter. Wow. Yeah, 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 yeah. We did that. We did that. We got married at nine. And so I had to take whatever Amazing. I could take to make a buck to feed children. And everybody think, else that... did what they were supposed to do, devote their lives to their careers, you know, Harvey right. and Bob and all those people. And they were right. It worked out well for you, though. Look at you. I mean, well, you, had a great, yeah. you have a great career. And now you have you got these beautiful kids that are your age. Yeah. <laughs> my grandchildren are getting to my age now. It's getting very oh strange. Getting, getting to my uh, yeah. You're fucking funny. How are your kids? How old are you? <laughs> I have a twelve and a and a nine year old. Is he oh. nine? He turned nine, nine in the quarantine. Nine. And she has the same thing. Yeah. Same thing. Same thing. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. Mom, I, I wish I wish a mom brigade I right wish here. I would have started younger, to be honest with you. I wish I started younger too. Because I would have had more. I would have had more kids. Me too. I would have had more energy. So I wanted the career, and I, I chose that. And then when I realized it wasn't all that I had imagined it would be, and I had my first child, I was like, holy shit, this is everything. Yeah. This is everything. There, nothing else exists for me other than those children. And I just do what I do now to, to be able to feed them because I'm a single mom, you know? Right. <clears throat> Hate to interrupt. Time to get back to the podcast. It's break time. Oh, yes, it's break time. Break time's over. Oh, I am about to get Farragund, bro. <laughs> All right, Robbie, will you tell Chris and David I'll be right back? Get my clothes back on. Oh, oh my God. Oh, well, well, I have you here. Let me tell you about Therawan Revive CBD Balm. This is the only way I get through the podcast. The only way. I start with this on my body, 
And then I end with this after the podcast because I sit in my seat for hours and hours and my ass and my neck and my back all really hurt. And now for a limited time until Labor Day, all of our Gangster Goddess broadcast listeners can go to theragon.com slash GG to buy one and get one free. I love saying that. You can go to theragon.com slash GG to buy one and get one free. The reason why I love this one in particular of all CBDs is it's a high potency and a lot of them claim to be organic and they're not. There's a lot of toxic filler in there this one is pure because the people that would bring you such a trusting machine like the Theragun, this percussive magic massage therapy machine, bring you this, Theraone. And all their CBD products are out of control. That's all I have to say. I have to go back to work now. Okay? Goodbye. Thanks. Take me. Goodbye. But after The Sopranos, I sort of felt like I don't know. I didn't really care if I ever did anything else. I knew I always wanted to well, work yeah. with someone like Scorsese or sure. um, with, I wanted to work with Abel Ferrara. That dream came true. Another main oh, in the world. I did. Do you, have you ever worked with him? No, but I know him over the years. He knows me. Yeah. I've always been interested so, in him and he's a complicated guy. I know. Yes. Right. Maniac. And I adore him. Right. I adore right. him. Yeah. Right. Um, all right, well, now we're going to ask you your soprano questions because that's what what our crazy listeners want to know. For sure. Um, can I ask you uh, what your, what, how did the Sopranos come by you? How did it happen? What was your experience with the whole casting process? Mm-hmm. I know that there was some back and forth about it. Will you tell us, David, in your words? Yes. I was called in to read uh, for a role and uh, for the role. You read for Tony Soprano. Right. And uh, I read and I thought it was reading. I mean, I, firstly, I read the pilot and I fell in love, deeply yeah, in love with me it. Me too. After I left the reading, I go over to a place called Mrs. Gucci's. It's a it's a uh, supermarket, and you know we were in LA. What am I talking <laughs> Wait, about? Wait, where did you read? Did you read in LA or in New York? No, I read in LA. I read in LA. And then read in LA. Chaz Palminteri, your Chaz, the actor, Chaz and he comes up to me. He says, "I read the script. You know, they want me to do this." I said, "What is it?" He said, "Well, I don't know. It's a mob guy who sees a psychiatrist and." I, I can't buy it. I don't buy it. I just don't buy it. I'm making a big deal of it. And I didn't say I read it. I didn't say I went in on it. <laughs> because I figured, well, if they're going after Chaz, I could forget about it, you know, because yeah. he already had done Bronx Tale. So uh, forget about it, you know. And he said, nah, Isn't it funny how we think that? Yeah, of course. I, I don't think I'm going to do this. Uh, I don't know. He's, I said, no, I, I don't buy it. I, I said nothing. I was a phony. I said nothing. I didn't say I love it. I didn't say it. Truth. (laughs) But uh, anyway, then they called me back and and had me read. And David was there once the second time, and then I left. Then I got a call from the 
agents and you're not going to get it because they think you look too right. That's what I read. They don't want a guy who looks like. (laughs) We were so menacing. I mean, you play menacing more intense. They look too Italian. As Nick, yeah. <laughs> it was full Italian, all Italian. But, yeah, and that's another story uh, about losing jobs, looking. Because Meryl Streep said that you got to look the role. She said it once. They said, what's your secret mm-hmm. to your success? I looked the role. I looked it. So I didn't look what they wanted. And, and the first season, I was so upset because all I heard was, this show is fantastic and I'm up people. And that's all I was hearing. So I was green with envy and I was upset. And and uh, I I didn't really, I watched, after I got the job as Richie, I watched. I didn't watch. I was sad. Because, yeah, because I believe yeah. so in the show. I thought the show was going to go and it went exactly where I thought it would. I was out. Knew it. Yeah. I must say so myself. I'm patting myself on the back. I read the pilot. <laughs> I said, this is going to fly if they get the right into casting. And they got the most perfect Tony Soprano. It yeah. was a gift from God. You couldn't yeah. get better than James no. Caldofini. There's no one better in the world. Of billions of people in the world, there was no one better than him. Because I also he made believe the show. I mean, anybody yeah. else as Tony Soprano, I don't think this is Sopranos. I agree. Well, yeah, I agree. I agree. I, agree. I mean, the beautiful writing, but I agree Tony with you. David. He made it. It's Tony and David without Tony. Yeah, without yeah. But that's all part of David's vision that what? he didn't want somebody who was on the money. He wanted somebody that was and that was the unexpected so. guy, left of center for sure. Just Someone who could who could be an everyday man, an everyday American man that could talk to that audience as well as the the, the, the mafia <laughs> audience. Right, you know, everybody can relate to him. And his soul, yeah. soulful. Not just that he's a big bear, a lovable bear of a guy, but Jimmy's soul. He was uh, much older than his age. He was a leader at a very young age. He's much younger than mm-hmm. Jimmy. But yet I thought of him as a peer, as an older man. He had an old soul. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He and, and a leader. He's a real leader. People look to him. I don't think he would consider himself that. Oh, he does. You know what I mean? If you would say that to him, really? he'd probably be like, who, me? Fuck yeah, that. He Not me. No. No. He no. So oh, humble. You know, I know that. Well, that's humility, and that's the wonderful thing. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and uh, so that's that. I mean, the, the brilliance in seeing that this is the man to take this show into a, to a stratosphere that there's no, nothing. We Nobody's been involved with anything. You and I have been involved with, except for the rest of the people who've been involved. I mean, yeah, it's it was uh, amazing. In, in your life. They had me as the hostess in the restaurant. Then I came, then they called me back for another role. So you and I have a similar path yeah. to the Sopranos. Yeah, except they so then they call you back for Richie April, right? Was that the yes. second role they called you in for? In that okay, well, so the, the day Tell us about I that. back to Sopranos. The day last day I went in to read. I had taken two trips to New York from LA on my dime. HBO didn't pay for it. No, because I wanted, I wanted. I, yeah. <laughs> and and uh, who was there but a wonderful actor, Jimmy Russo, real good actor and very right for loved, the role. I love Jim. Great actor. Good actor. Very good actor. And another very good actor who's died since the overdose. 
he was on uh, the show with uh, Candice Bergen, the comedy show. I've forgotten his name now, Italian guy. Anyway, they were there, and I was pissed. I said, how much do you have to do? How much do we have to do? So I left that, I got to that reading, and then they called Jimmy up to read with me, and we did an improv, I remember, and I was wearing a very tacky-looking shirt that I thought would be right for the audition it looked like a it looked like a checkerboard and it was all it was like an italian wise guy shirt but bad taste and uh <laughs> he said to me in the simprov in front of the hbo suits uh um where'd you get that shirt and i said to him well you don't like this shirt he said no no He's i like, like no. the shirt i said so what's that attitude about you like my shirt i love this shirt and we went into a th- oh, yeah. a sh- that's it jimmy just <laughs> he just hooked it yeah. into the shirt he said, Rich, I'm not saying bad things about the shirt. And he was wonderful in the improv. I mean, he got, I said, yeah, but if you want to make a remark, make a remark. Don't, don't beat around the bush. And it was like, and they sat there like this. This little guy is telling off this big guy, and the big guy is nervous about it. And they loved Amazing. it. They loved it. <laughs> they loved it. And they said, would you guys stand up next to each other? And I said, oh, shit. And again, Jimmy keeps getting up. He keeps getting up. (laughs) This guy doesn't stop getting up. He's tall. (laughs) And I'm not. I'm short. Five, seven, five. And and I looked at them and I said, this is it. So so I looked at them and I said, listen, I play six, four. (laughs) (laughs) You and you're right. Yes, you do. I was was just groveling for the fucking job. You know, get a laugh, do something for it, you know. Yeah. Oh, I wish we could see that tape. Then I'm walking out and I say, fuck this. And she runs out, Georgianne walking. And she says, where are you? I said, what do you mean, where are you? Where are you you staying? At a hotel. Oh, you knew you got it then. Well, what do you mean you don't know? How how can you not know where you're staying? I don't know. I said, I was all like this. After the Some couch somewhere. Yeah. yeah. You know, you're like this. After it. You want the job and all that. And I go back to the hotel, which was across the street from the museum of natural history. I walked into the museum and I stood next to the dinosaur. Oh. You know, the dinosaur. And I said, That's yeah. this is how small I feel right now. Oh yeah. Oh my God. I needed to get next to that dinosaur. I said, this is what I, this is how I feel. I feel this big. Yep, I know that feeling. I go back That's to the all, room. Us actors. Rings. I go back to the room. The phone rings. It's the agent from LA. It's you got it. You got it. You got what? Mm. They want yeah. you on the show. Yeah. Like, now I feel bigger than that dinosaur. Yeah. I don't think I did the sissy thing and cried. <laughs> Almost. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my god. See and cry. (laughs) Oh, they gave me a job. (laughs) Oh my god. The nobody was right for that part other than you. To play my uncle, of course. Absolutely. (laughs) My claim to fame. Play Drea's uncle. No, my God. You were so the other night. It was so, I mean, your performance, your entrance into that show, your performance is, it is, it's like you enjoy being such a cocksucker (laughs) the whole time. I mean, you are such a fucking snake. The way you deliver every line, it's so calculated. Mm -hmm. 
Um, but the thing is, I know you as an actor and you don't come across as, as having a script mapped out. Do you know what I mean? You don't, it doesn't look like your script is scored when I'm, when I'm, no, when I'm working with you. And, um, and it's like, and I score my scripts because I feel like I need to, and then I forget about it. You yeah, know, so you forget about it. Right. Your, yours is it's it's like, it, it's it's like a science almost, and then it's like a total primal thing. I, I, your performance is definitely one of the performances on The Sopranos that really sticks out to me. I mean, there's so much great acting on the show, yeah. but but. Yours was definitely like season two. If they needed to measure up to season one and to keep people's attention, they picked the right fucking antagonist. That's for that. It was that night. It was that night. So I'm just gonna go to your scenes. Okay. Um, which you already told us that you remember. You remember me dropping you <laughs> off at Beansy's Pizza Parlor, and the first fucking line out of your mouth after you say goodbye to your niece <laughs> is motherfucker the way you say it <laughs> so good um and you go into um beansy's pizza joint who's played by um oh my god um herman what's it? he owns ago holy herman holy herman i couldn't remember his first name um he, he owns ago right no he doesn't know huh? he works for bob Nero. Bobble. Yeah, they were like partners, uh, right? Oh, Bobble. Okay, okay. Well, Bob. I don't know. I, I can't. I'm not allowed to. Bob. 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 owns it. Bob owns it, Dre. Bob owns it, Bob. And uh, he owns it, I think, still. And he, I mean, you might have given him a partnership by now, maybe. Okay. Hmm. I always remember going to Dago and seeing him there. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> so the but, um, pizza joint. That scene. When you had to film that scene. Um, it was so unexpected that you would grab that coffee Ugh. thing and smash him in the head like that. And then you say to him, veal palm sandwich? Fuck you. <laughs> Can I just reenact the whole show right now? <laughs> yeah, so um, that scene. I love that director who never directed again. Oh, you came in for Lee Tamahori. That was... Um, Tamahori. Yeah, he yeah. and he did Once for Warriors, which was a phenomenal movie. Have you ever seen that, that film? He did a great thing to me by the end of that shoot. I really... Oh, tell us. Yeah. Well, all right. It's all right. I'm at an age now. If I say things that sound braggadocious, it's that. He said, I said to him, what was it like working with Anthony Hopkins on mm -hmm. The Bear, that movie he did with Anthony Hopkins? And he looked at me and says, well, it's a lot like working with you. I said, oh, come on. I, 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 really, I really want an answer, you know. Yeah. What was it like working with Anthony Hopkins? And he came right into my face. And he said, it's like working with you. Wow. Amazing. So. Uh, you, don't, <clears throat> you don't know how amazing you are, damn it. What? I'm just saying that right now. I got like a. If I tell Cheryl I said that, she says, you bragged. What, what, why did you no. brag? No. No, no, I am bragging. I, in a way, you I... bet you should fucking be yeah. bragging at this I point. Love what, what, what do you have left to do but fucking brag? You're so almost 78 years old. <laughs> we need to be loved. A bit. We need to be loved a little bit. And Anthony Hopkins yeah. says, old actors are like uh, old piece of luggage. We, we opened and closed and opened and closed so often. Our hinges are so 
So we did Namahara. And he said, I probably will never do another one of these because he was taking a lot of time, I I think. But you got to know No, but I, but I, every time, you know, because I had been on the show for so long, anytime a film director would come on, it would take too long because it was a well-oiled machine and, and they were fantastic. Like Mike Figgis and, and, and Lee Tamawari, Nick Gomez um, learned how to do the TV stuff. So he's a big TV director now, but Lee Tamawari is like this beautiful, epic film director, you know, and I think David must've been a fan and brought him on because, um, I mean, HBO maybe, but yeah, we, we, we ended up sticking to the same directors, um, year after mm-hmm. year and they became our, but Lee Tamahori was definitely a, a beautiful get, I would say. The scene at Satrials, when you see Christopher for the first time and you say, don't fucking ever lay a hand <laughs> on my niece yeah. until you marry her, until you marry her. And then seven episodes later, or however many episodes later, this this episode deals heavily with hypocrisy. The whole theme of the entire episode is um, is dealing with that. But you have a moment in the episode where you say this to Christopher. That's your introduction to Christopher. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you know, then you punch Janice in the mouth. <laughs> and I, I heard yeah later on later on yeah. But I heard that you had a well I didn't hear this you told me this when we were working together that you had a really hard time and this is all us actors do this on every set um we're questioning our character's motivation uh-huh. we want to know if this is true because we don't know that we're sitting on a on a pile of gold just yet you know this uh-huh. is all new to us um so you were questioning your character's motivation with you know the gun, the gun. To, to, yeah. to Janice's head yes. um Punching her in the face, like yeah, all I of do. these sort of things. Uh, I, 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 against the advice of Jan, James Galifani, he advised me not to go to David. And <laughs> I don't think that scene would take place in you know, the characters out of Canva. Uh, you know, I don't think it would happen. Which one? The, the, the sex scene or, then, the, or the doggy? Uh, yeah. And, uh, um, he said, well, what do, you, what, do you, what do you want to do? I said, I want to cut the scene. I don't, I don't want to do it. He said, well, how are you going to do that? I said, I'm going to go to David. He said, don't do it. Don't go. To, I don't go to David, he says. I don't go. Yeah. Me too. <laughs> you did? He liked No. Me. Oh, no, no. I was petrified but of I everything. Was, and I went to David. You did go? Yeah. Oh, what did he say? too smart. I should have listened to his <laughs> mom, man. And How I went in and he cleared the room. I knocked on the door and he says, I knew you were coming and all the writers were there and they all jumped up and ran out of the room. I said, no, what, what, what happened? Well, why? I just want to talk to you for a minute. I mean, I don't want to bust up the meeting. He said, well, you, you have. Oh, what did he say? You have. You busted up. You have busted up the oh, meeting. Oh, he said that. Mm. Oh, my God. Did you finish? Did you tell him? Or at that time, did you retract? That's the problem. I said, that scene, a wise guy, it wouldn't be doing this. And he says, well, what what do you you mean? And I said something that I know people and that I grew up around people and blah, 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 blah. And he said, oh, so you don't agree with my vision? Oh. (laughs) Fine, bull. You're like, oh, geez. And I said, no, I, I agree with you. Word one when I read this pilot, it's just this scene. 
the vision of the show, I, he said, um, no, we're not changing the scene. Oh. It, this is the scene. Was it uncomfortable after that with David, well, or was it okay? So I get like, if I don't do it, the agent will say they can sue you, or they'll just write you off in another way, and you know, they'll do that. Yeah. They know David, and they would have done that. He would have done that in some ways. So I'm gonna do the same. Do the same. Okay. So when we're doing I'm, the scene, we, we start shooting the scene, the guy's on my ass. The, the, the camera's on my ass. Uh-huh. I said, hold it until i on my ass, until I tell you to stop. And the guy liked me a lot. I forgot his name. Now. Oh, Benjamin. Was it Phil? Phil Benjamin. Was Benjamin. Phil, Be- Phil Abraham? Abraham. Benjamin. Oh, Phil Abraham, right? Phil Abraham. I think. Yeah, I, I forgot things too. Kid, nice oh. kid. And he laughed. He says, okay. I said, just keep it on my butt and then tell uh, David that was for him. Somebody pull up there and say, that's for you. And they did it. And David said, I love it. Keep it. It's in. Oh my god! I don't even remember. I, I can't wait till like, till I get to that episode. <laughs> Tell him that's for him, and he loved it. He said, "Terrific!" Oh, amazing. We're not cutting a second of it. Oh, that's awesome! <laughs> wow! He turned it right on. That's ballsy. He turned it right back on me. Yeah, he's like, it's great, thank he's you. Too fast. <laughs> that man is just too fast. His brain works too quick. <laughs> yeah, we're leaving it. He loved it. I <laughs> love. Uh, and then, how did you prepare for that day? I mean, that had to be, um, yeah. you know, as us actors, we always have our little ways of preparing. I did hear that that was a. Um, you had a exciting news that day, and on top of that, first, you had a my first grandchild that day. And, and, and the first AD came up to me and said, her name is Emma. She weighs seven pounds. And I knew the baby was coming. She weighs seven pounds and her name is Emma. And I, I'm doing, going to do this scene that day. And I had a oh. bathrobe. I had a bathrobe. Oh, my God. I said, I got to walk off of the stage here. I got to get out of here. And uh, she said, okay, I'll tell them. I said, tell them I got to get out of here right now. And I put on the and I walked around the corner, the silver cup in my bathroom, and I became emotional. Of course, my daughter just oh. had a baby. My baby had a baby. Yeah. What am I gonna do but cry in my bathroom? I just cried. No. My first grandbaby, my, my granddaughter, oh. was born that day, and I stayed outside the soundstage until I could get gather myself again. And get back. Especially for that <laughs> scene. Terrible. Especially for the set yeah. scene. My God, yeah, how did you wrap your head around that? Event, they hold the event chick's head. Oh, my and God. I, I just didn't. Uh, I, I couldn't. Well, you couldn't have been with a better partner for that. I'm a grandpa, and now I'm a degenerate inside. <laughs> <laughs> what a day. What a day. Oh, what a day. You went from two, <laughs> two extremes. Completely two extremes. Well, hopefully, hopefully Aida took good care of you. Uh, Did she take good care of you, or she was a nervous wreck, too? I bet she was a fucking nervous wreck, too. She's so angry at me all the time. Aida was? No, I don't remember. Then what for? 
this married couple or something. And what did you do? I said, you said you were going to have lunch and you, you we weren't there. I said, where what lunch? Where what? <laughs> Either we find ways to scream at you for... For, for nothing? Amazing. <laughs> what was it that day? Oh, that day. She was... <laughs> Oh boy, I love this. You're singing Marvin Gaye's. I love I see, I'm remembering someone. Let's get it on. Oh, yeah, that's Aida. No. That's our girl. Yes. She just broke out into song all the time. Oh, she was always singing. You kept singing that song, Marvin Gaye, Let's Get It On. What happens to my voice oh, every time I say that? Let's get it on. Well, she was probably a nervous wreck to do that. Yeah, yeah, but too. she was saying, I know actors will do anything to relax themselves. Yeah. She was singing a song that was the most unrelaxing song. Let's get it on. I mean, <laughs> Did she did she do one of her dances? She would always say, "I'm going to do a um, a, a, a contemporary dance for you right now," and she would do all her little. <laughs> do you remember? Yeah. Do you ever remember? Yeah, she's always trying to make everybody laugh. What was your favorite scene to work on? I mean, I'm sure the one that stuck out to you the most was the gun scene, but what was your favorite? Did you like working with the men or with or the Aida scenes? What were the? Enough to work with the women. I'll tell you something that David was in Italy when he did this, but I'll tell you that. My favorite scenes uh, were with Jimmy. One was with Jimmy. First day, it was a walk and talk, and it was in a mall. In the mall. Mm -hmm. And it was a long walk and talk. I mean, a long one down the mall and walk and talk, you know, those shots. <laughs> those are hard scenes, man. If you don't get them right in the in the master, you're... Yeah, right. <laughs> I fucking hate those scenes, man. It's the hard. So I, I uh, was feeling... We didn't know each other that well. He was a little uneasy with me. I was a little uneasy with him. But people were there. I mean, the, the regular folks were shopping and coming in and out. And they look up and they look at the two of us and we're standing there waiting for an action call. And I look at the clothing I'm wearing, which was not the clothing I would wear. <laughs> those skin-tight pants and your, and your members-only jacket. You look sexy in those clothes, David. You do. Those pants. <laughs> look sexy. Yeah. And anyway, I have the... So I look down and I look up at him. And I, I remember what I said. I said, you ever feel silly doing this stuff? And Jimmy just spun around on me. He said, always. Yeah. I said, right. Yeah. How do we, yeah. what, 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 what do we do? He said, well, I don't know. And I said, I don't know. Either. I said, well, let's just do what we do. And it was just a wonderful moment for two people to have about, like, we're yeah. having, I don't know yeah. what the fuck I'm doing. No, never. We never know what the fuck we're doing. And then you leap, and then somehow you get through the scene. It's comforting to know that everybody day, doesn't. James, by the end of the day, it was a big day for me, my first day. David came up and gave me an amazing piece of direction. Really good piece of direction. There was a line in that scene where I say to him, how's your sister? Yeah. It was, um, he thinks you're fucking with him. Yeah, he's like, go fuck your mother, go fuck right. your mother. Yeah. And I never read it as that. 
And David came up to me and said, you're a lot smarter than all of them. You know that? I knew what he meant by uh-huh. that. Uh huh. And the gang, then the crew, Paulie, and the, yeah, of course. You know, and 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 uh, he knows that that you're smarter than them. He did it right on that line. I said, "Do you know what I'm about to say?" He says, "Yeah." I said, "Okay," and that's why you read what you read. That I fucked with him on that line. It was David Peace's direction. How's he? Wow. Okay. As a sister. Hey, 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 hey. The, there was a scene where you were with Uncle Junior in the um, in the doctor's office in the first in the mm-hmm. first episode that you did, and when he turns his back, you're there to to have peace with him. You're there to try to manipulate him to tell him that you're on his side. You're trying to find more muscle for yourself on the show because you know that Tony is yeah. now going to be a nemesis. So you, the, when he turns around, and it's a tiny thing, no one would even notice it. The way you're fucking staring at him is like a it's, tiger in a cage. It's intense. It's mm-hmm. crazy. And you're not even in focus. He's in He's in focus changing his shirt like this. And the way you're looking at him, you don't know that the next second you're going to be smiling. You look like you might actually fucking kill him in that room. Um, and that's the way the way you look at, at Aida, at, at, at Janice, when she leaves the at the yoga class. Yeah. The way you're staring at people without saying one fucking word and without flinching, having any body language. It's like you're acting as a still human being, just so completely still, just with your eyes. It's it. it, I don't even know how to I don't know. I don't have words for it. It's kind of ineffable. (laughs) No, but it's that time of your life. As much as it was Jimmy's time of his life to do that role. It was your time of your life, and it was my time of my life to do that role because... I feel that. Blanket was this. I had been around for a lot of years already, and yes, Mean Streets, I was part of the, uh, the, the genre of movie that was celebrated. How much do I fucking have to do to prove that I can do the job? What, what, <laughs> do this to me? You know, all that shit that we go through. Yeah, yeah. I have I not... And and and, and uh, Richie was going through the same thing. Uh, he was entitled to something after ten years in prison. After what he's about, he's entitled. I got it. It belongs to me. You can't give me. This is a great line they wrote for Richie. You can't give me something that's already mine. 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 Yeah. That was I great love line. that line. Great line for Richie. Yeah. Line for Richie. Because I'm getting chills while you talk about this because I see how you're relating it to where you were at in your life at that time. Right. It's, it's, it was it's all, chilling. It was all that to me, too. And there were guys right now that were on the show, God bless them, I'm glad they were, that wouldn't, hadn't worked as much as I worked, weren't in the business as much as I worked. And Lady Fortune was on their side, not on my side. I, got my, I just kept feeding myself all Richie madness oh yeah and it was so available for me it yeah. was so available perfect until uh i was starting to dry up a bit when i think i knew that i was not going to have a second season I, no 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 that's not true wait how did you find out did you know from the get-go when you were cast that you were oh, that, you're, that uh, you had a shelf life there or did they spring it on you mid-season uh no it was Vinnie Pastor who told me that they're going to get the two of us this season I said 
Me, yes, not you. Your flagship of the yeah. show. I didn't think that would. He's a comedy release. He's you know. Yeah. He's one of the guys, so I didn't think it would be him. He's one of the. But uh, I think me was. How much more can you be uh, an antagonist? How much yeah. more looks can I give him that's going to scare somebody? <laughs> I don't have that many left. You know? uh, oh my god, I could have watched you all day long, but I felt the same way about Adriana. I felt like it's run its course. It's okay for me to go now. Because I was doing the same thing over and over again after a while, so I understood the the release of that character, you know. Yeah, I, I I didn't. David did the the call. I don't know. Does he call you that call? He does. It's different. Well, the men have a different. I have a very different story than everyone else. Mine doesn't feel like it was as. Um, mine felt like it was more of a. You know, yeah, you're not coming back a little bit. No. You know, you and I discussed that, I think, a while back. You got you got the phone call. I never got the phone call. Oh, no. You didn't get a dinner? I didn't get a dinner you either. Dinner? You I didn't get, get a dinner. dinner. Nope, I didn't get the dinner. Oh, I didn't get the dinner. You didn't get the steak dinner? You didn't get the dinner? No, we didn't get a dinner. He called me. Well, how what they said was, they said, uh, so I'm not getting a reprieve? Is that what this call's about? I am getting a reprieve? Or I'm not getting, he laughed, you know, the governor's reprieve. He said, no, he said, I, I had to, this is very difficult for me. He was very sweet. And I said, well, I hope someday I'll be able to say your words again. He said, oh, that was so sweet to say. I said, I mean what I say. And uh, then I hung up the phone and I looked at the phone and I said, fuck you. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh, my God, I love you. I was so sweet on the phone. Oh, God, someday I'll do your words again. Yeah. I looked at the phone. Oh, fuck you. And, and and I got angry. And I got angry. And I'm fired. Yeah. I'm fired. Yeah. You know, that's all I felt. I didn't feel. Yeah, but you were not fired. No. What a great fucking scene. How unexpected. And that's what the show was. It was, yeah, you know, a lot of unexpected. Unexpected. Yes. Um, do you know this thing about HBO were coming to me and saying we have an idea about taking Richie, putting him in Philadelphia. And no. Yeah, well, it was it was Jimmy who told me this. That While you were on the show, this happened? Uh, yeah, they wanted to take my character, put him in Philadelphia. He, he creates his own little crew there. And every couple of shows, or uh, like three, four shows, it's him and Jimmy doing this because he's in Philadelphia now, something like that. But, but oh no! I would have loved that. David said I would not write another word. This is not a spin-off show. Never. David said never will ever. Oh, ever happen. Never ever. And he was oh, right. Wow. And he was right. Yeah. It's not a spin-off show. Right, wow. right, right. Like, okay. You don't take these cats. All right. Yeah, you don't do that. And he was right. And a lot of things. He was right. Well, I didn't even know well, that. I mean, for me, I said. Oh, you you know, yeah, 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 yeah. Now I really get. I got no. Wait, so the, they didn't take you to the fucking dinner? You didn't have the dinner? The man's oh, dinner? The men's dinner? No. You know what? You and me. You and me are gonna go out for dinner. dinner. Thank you. Thank so you, David. Much I'll be talking coming. to you. I'll talk to you after yes. all of this. We're gonna continue doing the rewatch now, and then I'm gonna send you some messages. We are going to sleep. You're going. <laughs> Thank you so sleep. much, David. Yeah. I mean, I want yeah. to take a talking nap. It's is exhausting, isn't it? Yeah. For me, it, oh, is. it is. Well, it's, honestly, please. thank you for being so generous with your time. Please. This was amazing. Please. Yeah.
He's great. I told you you were going to love him. I know oh. you were nervous. I know you get nervous. When I wasn't someone... nervous with David. You know why? Because my, no, I know you thought I was. He wasn't one of the guests that I got nervous on because I watched some of his interviews and he just exuded this like warm, his laugh. Oh, Even no. on here, every time he laughed, I couldn't help but smile and laugh with him. No, he's, he's the nicest. He's a sweet man. Like, yeah. And he's so talented. He just made, he made it all comfortable. So you know I why, wasn't Chris? nervous. Why? Raised by five women. There you go. That's I it. I felt that energy. I'm a Pisces. I got it. it. I got that energy. So I wasn't nervous. He's great. Yeah. I let you guys do your thing. You guys have so much to catch up on. And I just, listen, I'm like a voyeur when when you have these these casts on, these castmates on, which I think is great. I don't mm. mind. I love it. All right. So there. Well, let's get into our Soprano rewatch. I know you're all dying. <laughs> let's do it. For us to dive in. Hold on. Let me put my spectacles on, people. Oh, because I have to read. Yes. The episode nine. Episode nine? No. No, it's a two. Episode two. You're blind. <laughs> oh my God. You're and blind. I'm losing my mind. The episode two recap. This is recap. Recop? It's the recap. This is the part where I read. She's a re- Do the recap. On today's episode of The Sopranos, Toodle Fucking Ooh. You love saying that word. I do. Toodle Fucking Ooh. Okay. After a 10-year stint in prison, we meet Richie April, pr- brother of the late Jackie April Sr. after he is released from jail. As Richie tries to re-enter the family business, we see that he doesn't quite understand how things work since being in prison, which causes friction between him and Tony. Did I say that right? I don't know. Who cares? We also see Meadow acting rebelliously as she <laughs> trashes her grandmother's house and a party and co- at a par- with a party and causes trouble between her aunt and parents as her punishment ignites a major argument between Carmela and Janice. With a party? I really think that – I think she planned the party, Meadow. You do? I, I wasn't sure. I wasn't sure. I mean, regardless if she invited like three or four people – it doesn't matter. The word spread, and then all her other friends came. That's called Meadows' party at Livia's house. <laughs> Do you really? Yes. I can't tell because when, she's lie. She lies and she manipulates. Oh my god! And you know, I think a lot of the. I think a lot of this episode is accountability. Yes, and responsibility, and yes. she's got. But she's you know what else? Shit. You know what else? I like her. That smile on the camera when she's walking away. Oh, my God. So good. That was some shit I would have done. That was me. I was going to say that. That was, was some shit I would have done. Totally I remember me. my mom, when I dyed my hair black, she went to fucking hit me. Um, she put her arm up to hit me. You and grabbed I, it. And I grabbed it for Mid-air. the first time. Mid-air. And I was like, oh, really, bitch? I'm in high school now. And you fucking dare. And I threw that oh, arm back at her. God. And I turned around. And I was like this. Do you understand the? And first- then I went in my room and probably contemplated suicide. <laughs> God, don't say that. Do you understand the first time that that that's going to happen to us with our kids? Oh, it's going to no, happen. Please, no. I know they're babies now. Bama won't lie. Bama won't lie. She's like Robbie. No, I'm talking about like if we go to like. Well, I don't know. We're not. We're not in that realm of parents where we used to get like smacked and hit. Everyone's why I was accept- oh my acceptable God. back then. Yeah, and we don't do that now. I told Blackjack yesterday. I'm not going to lie. I was like, if you lay another hand on your sister because sometimes they, they mess around yeah. I said we're not allowed to hit you guys anymore um, but I will <laughs> and I said if you fucking lay a hand on her I'm going to lay my fucking hands on you so don't fucking touch her ever again men do never raise their fucking yes. hands to a woman ever that's what I tell women um, too so we're going to get into mm-hmm. that in this episode because it's definitely it. a part of it mm-hmm. um, but as far as the title goes yeah um Goodbye. Toodle fucking. Well, no, because we'll we'll get into that when we actually get into Melfi's session 
with her shrink, which is played by Peter Bogdanovich, which is so cool to me. Yeah. But um, I also think another theme of this episode, it's not just um, (laughs) responsibility and accountability, but I think hypocrisy Mm -hmm. is a huge theme because everyone is talking shit, but no one's walking their walk. Yeah. You know, everyone is sort of, yeah. So anyway, we can get into that. Um, I'm going to put my spectacles back on. Um, we also have, for the first time on this episode, is Mr. Richie April, yep. who we just visited with. Amazing. And um, that's a really great setup for an antagonist um, for season two. The best antagonist. Oh, so he's great. between he and Janice, it's really it's a time bomb. You, yeah, you have it's Livia and Junior. You you have Livia and um and, and Corrado all over again. Oh, I didn't even put that together. That that's like a little bit of Oh a, yeah. Huh. It's like the the, huh. the 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 diet versions of them. Actually, no, not the diet versions. This is the young, more energetic, I think more it's primal diet. versions of those two. I don't know. You think Richie is like Junior? Because Junior's soft a little bit. But Junior's, Junior's not. not as... He's led by ego. His ego very much plays a huge part in in his motivations. And, I mean, listen, Richie's definitely a wild card. Richie's, he's manipulative and he's super intelligent. Yeah. And he's a leader. I don't think Junior so much is a leader innately. He's trying to be. I think neither of them are going to make it as leaders because mm-hmm. they don't. Ha- they just don't encompass what someone like they, they have like too. Tony, they have too many yeah. flaws. They're yeah. too flawed. They're I mean, Tony flawed. Soprano's flawed, which makes him a great character that people love as as an audience. Mm-hmm. But in so far as that world, that 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 um, not being able to maintain one's um, you have you have to like earn people's respect and love yeah. and admiration and how the fuck is Richie gonna do that by running over Beansy, which we'll get into. And backing up. Yeah, <laughs> backing or running over or backing or up backing or whatever. Up or running over. Um, but yeah, there's a lot of um, a lot of issues with authority. Yeah. Like Richie, the way he he feels with Tony. Meta with um, her parents. That's exactly. for sure. Yes. She throws an F-bomb at them, too, right? Doesn't she throw the F-bomb at them at, like, she, at lunch or dinner or breakfast? I don't know. We'll get to it. I don't remember. Um, but so, yeah, the <laughs> show opens up with Tony driving up to the scene of the crime at, at Livia's, Livia's house. Yeah. And um, first, first words out of her mouth to set the tone for the entire episode is, it wasn't my fault. And that basically is a theme, I think, in this episode. Mm-hmm. I can um, see that. And it wasn't my fault. Toodle fucking ooh. It all kind of ties in in a weird way where it's a it's this juvenile, very careless response. You know, toodle ooh. Mm-hmm. Um, it wasn't my fault. You know, girl-like. it's like this very, sure. you know, no one's taking accountability if that's if that's one of the themes. Yep. So, um, so yeah, then they go to the Soprano house and she's in big trouble. The kids are doing designer dress. I guess one kid um, ODs, right? He's getting taken out, I saw. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. There, well, there was a hospital. That's why the, that cop tells Tony, you uh-huh. know, when I when I saw that it was your mother's house, I called you. Your kid's fine. But again, playing into the hypocrisy of stuff, you have a cop who's tipping Tony Soprano off. Um, the kids are doing designer drugs. Did designer drugs exist back then? I don't remember. I guess. Well, yeah. I don't. Does they call? Excuse them, me. No, I know yes. drugs existed, but did they call? Did the term ecstasy? 
design. I, I know it was called ecstasy, but I don't remember. I might have been eating ecstasy when oh I drove God. Richie April to <laughs> Beansy's pizza parlor. Okay, you for do? fuck's sake. <laughs> you, well, I was one of the kids of those time. I was in my twenties. But they called them designer drugs. Like that was a term. MDMA, Molly, ecstasy, all that ecstasy shit. But I guess they said special K in that episode. They did. But I I never touched that, so I don't know what that what that world is. But I remember the ecstasy stuff. When I, you know, I remember that stuff. You remember it all around you. I remember. Put my glasses up here. Do it. Um, So then we're at the Soprano House where um, Carm and AJ are waiting for uh, Tony and Meadow to get home. We haven't experienced this yet. What? Where you're waiting for your kid to get home mm-hmm. who's been in big trouble. I've experienced it in my household with my brother coming home. Uh-huh. Um, but never never uh, with our kids. So there but you've been on the receiving you've been you've been that kid who's come home oh my and been God. in trouble. Of course. What was your mother like and what was your father like? I, I have a feeling that our fathers took the same stance and our mothers might have taken the what same stance. What was yours? Stance. I don't I don't My mother was the hammer. Remember. My father would never he just would he loved me so much. Not that my mother didn't. Yeah. He was giving me, you know, throwing down the hammer was also that's probably even bigger love in a cer- to a certain degree because she you, she knows you're going to fucking hate her. Yeah. after but my dad would he was soft and you see this with Tony Soprano with her. It's confusing, and this also relates back to the ambiguity of the show and the way they handle certain subjects. You don't know how he feels about what's going on with her to a degree, like at the very end of the episode when we mm-hmm. see that, that last scene. But, um, yeah, there, there's a thing with a, mo- a father and a daughter. I know. I would be able to get away with so much with both of them. You because- don't have to be accountable for shit no. with your dad. Yeah. My dad was a lot like Tony in this scene. With Meadow, like I can definitely re- like I was the Meadow with him, and my mo- my mother, I don't I don't she just she kind of gave up. I, I was I didn't I wasn't that bad. I, you have more wild stories than I do. Well, you weren't honest. No, not I at was all. honest. Always. I didn't have that type of relationship with my parents. They were my mom was like a born again Christian, and you know you live oh, a straight and well. narrow. Life and if you kind of veer from that, so your mom was like Carmela, but yeah. Carmela was the hammer. Carmela was the hammer. My mom wasn't as um, outspoken as Carmela, though. Carmela's also a hypocrite. But I would also manipulate the shit out of my parents. Like so my parents so would like, be like, Meadow. "I'm taking the car keys away," and I'd be like, "Oh, okay." And like that smile that Meadow gave him walking away, I'd be like, "Okay," because I knew in my head that I would get them back in like a day, even if they said two weeks. Right. You know how Meadow was like, oh, yeah, she manipulated them. Was I ever punished? And to get into the punishment that she wanted to. Like I said, my parents would try to punish me and I would manipulate around it. So I don't think they ever even tried to punish me. I think they were paying any attention enough to have punished me. I remember my car getting taken away a few times. I didn't even have a car. But whatever. Well, you were in New York. You didn't need one. That's not true. I did have a car. What am I talking about? My dad got me a car when I was 16. I totally forgot just now. Oh I didn't God. even have a car. <laughs> what the fuck am I talking what, about? this conversation goes is go with it, Dre. <laughs> oh, Jesus Christ. Anyway, I don't remember. I'm ancient now. I have no memory of me as a child. So there you go. Well, I remember certain things. But um, anyhow, <clears throat> I, I think... Um, she says I could have taken ecstasy, but I didn't. Like, oh, good for you, That's Meadow. the kind of shit I would do. Yeah. I'd be like, everybody was... Everyone was doing heroin, but I just did ecstasy. I, yeah. Everyone was doing what? 
doing heroin. I just did a little coke. You should be proud of me. That's what so I did proud. on the regular. That's how I never lied to my parents. And then, well, we all know what happened to me later on in life. <laughs> you guys don't really know, but maybe one day I'll tell the story. Not right now. Anyways, <laughs> so I remember. Um, I mean, how much when we you come home late? Like I just remember those. Like that's you know not really paying attention to any sort of curfew stuff like that. I don't you want know, to let my fucking kid kids out of the house. Yeah. Uh, to be honest with you, I'm I mean, petrified, especially this day and age. Like. I don't want my kids getting in a car with somebody. I don't want um, them to deal with Ubers. I said to the kids last night, my dream is that we end up back in New York um, because I, I can't raise you here in California when you guys are of, of age to be going out with your friends. I would rather know that you can walk out of your apartment, walk to the pizzeria, uh, go to a bar with your friends yeah. at three o'clock in the morning, get a slice of pizza, bring home pizza for mommy to heat up in the, for, in the afternoon. And, uh, and that's how life needs to be. And they're both like, that's all we want to. You're not moving. Adriana. That's me guys. Adriana is going to drop off. Uncle Richie, this is the first time we see Richie Aprile. This is the first time we see Drea DiMatteo drive. Driving a car, even ever, though. Ever. <laughs> ever. And then um, I forgot I had a car. Do you see what I mean? <laughs> and then David said that I think that that was the time that he was just mentioning about you driving into sandbags. So they put sandbags yes. in front so that you wouldn't go too far yeah. or crash or crash. Something like that. Yeah. <laughs> Well, we always had sandbags, but still, uh, I would probably hit them. Oh, my God. And he has that first line. He's like, motherfucker. Oh and then anyways, we go right into Carm and Tony in bed. Yeah. And they're talking about Meadow. And this it's is the a great same scene. thing, though. Mm -hmm. It's the same thing. Like, she's, you know, well, how do we, you know, how do we make sure that she learns her lesson? And he's just like, he's getting fucking annoyed. Well, the, the thing that Because she's daddy's out, girl. Yeah. Well, he's not getting... But he says... Something that just rang so true for me. He says, if she finds out we're powerless, they're, ta they're talking yeah. about giving consequences. And, and he says, if she finds out we're powerless, we're fucked. And it's funny because we really, you know, sometimes I look at my husband, David, I'm like, these kids have all the power. Like they kind of rule us. And we have to put on a front and pretend like we're this and you're going to do this and we're going to do that. And you know my kids you. don't think that about me, though. Oh, I don't know. You're one my of kids a are million. Petrified of me. But let me just tell you, we as parents, we all a lot. The majority <laughs> of us, I would assume, maybe you not included, we have to pretend we have all the control. But these kids, I don't know. I watch. There's a new way of parenting for a lot of parents out there, and this is part of this episode, so I feel like it's okay to go into it because um, people will judge other parents very, oh, very easily. It's ridiculous. Women. It's mostly women. Let's call spade a spade. Yeah, like I've definitely, my kids have lost some friends because some parents didn't like the way I parent the kids. Uh, really? Um, oh, just joking. <laughs> actually, that's not true. They'll uh, they'll still hang out even though they, they don't yourself. approve of my, I can tell they don't approve because they parent very differently. As um, For example, they don't use the word no or don't. They don't like to use negatives with their children. Um, you know, it's kind of a new agey thing and yeah. I'm a real big fucking hippie, but I'm an Italian mom Yeah, me too. and I believe in allowing your children to express every emotion under the sun with a fucking limit yes. and with a time, with a, with a, with a timestamp on it. Um, there has to be, there has to be a line drawn where, where they don't, where they can't completely indulge themselves to the point because I realize that when you allow them to indulge themselves that much, a lot of it has to do with your own guilt. 
Mm-hmm. And I feel like when they're when they tap in on that with you, they, there's it becomes like they, they, I'm afraid they're not going to know how to carry themselves in the world when it's time to put a cap on that shit. Yeah. Um. So tantrums and well, and all it's, that. It's all about balance, right? I feel like it's, yeah. And I these think parents who are going so far, my, just my opinion. So I know people can write in, but going so far that other way that you're saying, like you can't use any negatives. I mean. So daddy's little girl, we already got this, we know. So now we go into um, into Beansy's uh, pizza joint. Uh, this is the fucking scene of all scenes when David Proval um, walks in and talks to him. With that coffee um, coffee pot and he, yeah. yeah but, but I'm just, jumping ahead, go ahead. Um, I mean, we already went over it with David, so I sort of feel like well, we don't I just need to. Feel, I just, the only thing I want to say about that is his delivery of every line. <sighs> when he's sitting at that table, is so intentional and yeah. so fucking charismatic he is well, so good he He's, does this and fucking then he thing. explodes with that coffee pot he he does a thing where he's and i said this to him in, in in our interview he's staring at whoever he's acting with yeah and there's no expression whatsoever but he's acting. zero expression but you can see him smiling do you know that you, we said the same thing in one of our episodes recently about tony and dr and melfi's office we said the same thing. He walked in, there was no words, and he did the same thing. Right. Different, though. These are such different, different, characters. different characters. Yeah. But, um, but, yeah, there's a lot of eye acting here, and there's so much going on behind the eyes. And I think what David said was so important about where he was at in his life, mm-hmm. and it was the right time for him to be playing that role. Because I, I, I know other, you know, David has told me other stories about how, you know, some of the hardships of being in this industry. Oh. And I can relate to that in a lot of ways. But um, I also heard him say in an interview that there was a sexual energy to... To what? To his, to his portrayal. I don't know if he was saying that he added that or if somebody explained it to him that way. But it was like he almost... Like he would have a heart on every fucking time. He oh, was, I saw that. I, he was yes. being a prick. Well, there's a thing. So there's there's people there, there's like a notion that there's some men in that like when they kill somebody or when they knock somebody out, they get a, like a hard on. It's like a sexual. But with him, I think it was the way in which he spoke to people. He's like a snake. Yeah, he's like a total fucking snake. It was which... good. I mean, this in this scene we see that Beansy, you know, he's kind of a little bit like. He feels that Tony's got his back, so he can kind of yeah, have this conversation with... He's a civilian. He's not, he's yeah, not a made guy. No, he's not a made guy. Um, so. And he says that he's not going to lay down, which is kind of funny because at the end of the episode, he is laying down. Yep. He's laying way down. Yeah. And I now, mean, this is written. I mean, could you believe that they put all this stuff in? I mean, it's just... Like saying I'm not going to lay down, and then having him at the oh, thing. I know. It's the, just the, genius. The writers are it's so. Just, this was a Frank Renzulli episode. He was a fantastic genius. writer, but he was only with us, I think, for one season one and two, and then he moved on. I think he had his own series or something. Mm-hmm. I'd have to double check that. But um, now we're in the Soprano kitchen, and again, this is another Janice. scene of about ego and control. Like she mentions, I think. Um, what does Janice say? For every twenty wrongs a child does, ignore nineteen. Yes. And then, and then, what does Tony Soprano say to her? He says, "Well, there's an Italian saying: you fuck up once, you lose two teeth." <laughs> um. So, and then Janice tells Carmela and Tony that it's all ego related. Yeah, she's putting in all of her two cents, ten cents about their parenting. 
to a meadow. Yeah, and this is the scene where... She's defending her in this scene. Yeah, because Parvati, Janice, a wild child. Um, So she's defending Little Meadow, but not when it doesn't... um, Suit her. Yeah. Then all of a sudden the Livia... Hypocrisy. Yeah, total Mm -hmm. hypocrisy, and Olivia fucking pops out. Um, But this is the moment where she smiles when she walks away, and then we're at Satriel's. Mm. We're we're doing the rewatch on on the quicker side today because we already had a nice long interview with our friend David. Um, So Satriel's is when the crew first meets um, Richie April, Mm -hmm. and we see what that looks like with Christopher coming in. And we discussed this a bit with David, so we don't have to go too far into it. But another very hypocritical scene, considering what Richie April does to Janice later on in the season. Oh, yeah. Um, But Christopher is like, when he said, who told you I put my hands on her? Yeah, which means he's going to fucking come back and punch me in the face. Yeah, I was like, oh, shit. Yeah. He's that. But that's the life. That's that life. That's that world. You told your uncle on me? You told your uncle I put my hands on you? Yeah. You're going to get it. I don't remember what happens. I don't either. We're, we're only on episode three, and so we don't really know. And then he walks away, the best line. For me, in this what? scene, he's the best He's a good line. kid? No, he's like, he's a good kid, but then Tony's like, he's capable. That's just like his his wording. Is well, just well, because he knows that he's, yeah. a, he's another live wire. He's he just is. like Richie April to a certain degree. He can't control his fucking temper. Not doesn't always make the right decisions. Yeah, but that sums Christopher up. He is capable if he makes the right choices. Right. So there's really not much more to be said. And the same him. with Richie. Yeah. But then he gets up and walks away, Tony Soprano. Best. And, um, They'd switch out. Yeah, and that's it. Wasn't a tactical uh, thing in, to make um, Richie feel small, no, but it, it humiliated him. Yeah, so he humiliates <laughs> Christopher, and then Tony humiliates Richie. Well, I think that's just like the new protocol at this at Satrielli's now. Like they don't want business spoken right. because, especially this. Because well, the feds are all over them right now. He just got out of prison for ten years. I mean, when I was watching that, and I was like, "What just happened?" It reminded me of a scene of a scene. It's my real life. It reminded me of when I was working for the Grammy Foundation and Bob Dylan was our honoree one year. And we would and it, we would all know if he shows up and he's wearing a white sweatshirt with the hood over, it's just, it was protocol. You're not allowed to look at him. No, you're not no, allowed no. to talk That's to him. Thing. I swear to God, this, is a, this was a thing. So you're not, he was wearing a black sweatshirt. So he would show up to rehearsals and he would watch other people rehearsing his music and either he'd have a white sweatshirt or a black sweatshirt. And that meant if you could talk to him or not talk uh-huh. to him? Uh-huh, don't look at him if he's got the white. I don't remember which was which because it was like a Imagine few, having that kind of control. A few years ago. <laughs> but this is what I'm saying. It reminded me of the skipper. Like this guy's like, no, 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 we don't talk. We don't, we don't, we don't, we don't talk business here. So it just depends on how the sun rises or sets on this person for the day. Yeah. He's like, I'm going to put on my black sweatshirt. Can I, we should do that. Could you imagine if I come to the podcast and I'm wearing a white sweatshirt with a hoodie? I'm like, don't talk to oh, me. Oh my God. I didn't yes. know that. That's some power move. It was man. great. I was like, this guy, man, Bob Dylan, go Bob Dylan. I'm like, I'm Damn, not going to talk to him. I wonder if he has a, a song called black and white sweatshirt. Maybe. Although when he, whatever rules, cause I'm so defiant too, whatever rules they were like telling us like white or black sweatshirt. So you would go over and talk to him if he was wearing his white yes, sweatshirt. I'd be like, oh really? What are you going to do? You know, I love Bob Dylan, but come on, dude. Anyway, oh just a little, God. just a little some, something, something. Wow. Okay, so then we're, um, Melfi's at dinner with her friends and Tony and the guys are also at the same restaurant, right? Yep. You know, I love this, um, this scene for one reason. Why? Oh, I, please. Go ahead. 
No. Why? I want you to say it. I know, because you, you're the huh? dirty dentist. World and class. He has a, he's she's got some nice pipe fit of lips. <laughs> Our it's, logo is her lips, by the way. Yeah. We, we, yeah. Okay. So. Yeah. I, moving I, on. All right. Um, anyways, <laughs> I, I don't want to go too far into it because her husband might get upset with me. No. But um, what do you think about this scene? Let me ask you a question. Aside from the fact that we're talking oh, about me. her um, pipe fitting lips, Chris mm, Kushner. Your DJ um, voice. Perfect blowjob lips, he says here. What's that? Blowjob lips. What, what's I that? I think he says pipe fitter. No, I'm joking. I could be wrong. But um, I also wanted to know if you thought that this scene where he just totally dismisses her, if he's either protecting her from the crowd or if he's really just... Yeah, I think he's protecting himself. Protecting her and himself, yeah. I, I meant to say, but or is he pissed and doesn't just just doesn't want anything no, to do with her? I think his his ego is bruised. She told him to take a walk last time. You know, she he was being vulnerable. He said he needed her in that diner. Well, her her last, her last words were "Go fuck yourself." Yeah. What did she say? What are her he, last lines in that episode? I don't remember because it was um, was that last. Get out of my life Something. or go was, fuck yourself. And now the last intense. words she says are... Toodle, toodle loo. And she's standing there like she wants to hang out, like she wants to connect. She, this is my take on that. She had a few glasses of wine with her friends. She's like, oh, there's Tony. You know, I think that and there she was... she sees a, him with his boys in his power. She was loose. Oh, God. Did something happen? Are you getting a phone call, it's honey? Michael Spector. Hi, Michael. Oh, hi, I'm Michael Spector. We're in the middle of something. We have to talk about our alcohol world another day. Yes, I, Chris and I are working on an alcohol brand, in case anybody coming was wondering. Soon yes. To a store near you. That's right. Okay, um, how do we shut this? Robbie, do you know how to shut this off? Sorry, we have to cut that. And for those of you who don't know who Robbie is, Robbie is our um, other producer who's in the room with us right now. Oh. He's also my personal producer. Anyway. Oh, my God. Um, where yes, he, is. he produces many things yes. around the house. Um, <laughs> okay. Oh, I like how one of our relate things from our other producer, oh. Margo. Margo. Do you Margo, remember you every single blowjob you ever gave? Mind. Are these types of encounters different for men or women? Hmm. Because Paulie Walnuts says that he remembers every blowjob he's ever. How did I get involved in this? Given, I mean, gotten. How Sorry. did I sign myself up for this? It's like seriously, I don't know. Um, this is like you're just like this is this is. I don't have blowjobs. Blow 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 job. We're not going to talk, talk about that. Okay, okay. Because okay. guess what? I know you'll get upset. No, no, we're moms. You're right. Our That's kids might thing. listen to Your this. Your daughter, who is the Virgin Mary and will always be, will have a heart attack. And so will my kids. It's true. Your daughter will seriously. I'm thinking right now. Can you tell? What are you thinking about? I don't know. Hi. Come back to know. Earth. But you know alien. what? Why don't we call Pauly Pauly two times? Because he repeats himself twice in this episode. Always. And I mean, in that scene. No, I think he Did you does, hear what I just said? Did you hear? I just said this. He tells a joke and then he does and then he it repeats again. It. It's my favorite. They should have called him Polly two times. Because he wants people, he wants to be heard. Do you like how all? I got off a blowjob scene? Yeah, I love it. I actually thank you. <laughs> I really do want to know how many blowjobs you've given. Oh Kushner. my God. I don't even know what that is. <laughs> <laughs> What's that? I don't know. All right, know. guys, I'll stop. I'll stop. Hi, mom. Stop. Hi, dad. Sorry, Jesus. my my mom has dementia and my dad's dead. Great. And you have two okay. little kids, Blackjack and Bama. I know. They're going to know these things. Great. And that'll be on our drunk episodes. Oh. And then we'll, we'll... Guess what segment we're at now? What? The Gangster Gabagool segment. 
Shall we talk about the only food that's been mentioned throughout this entire episode? Yep. It's veal. And grilled cheese, but whatever. They don't mention the grilled cheese. They talk about veal twice. No, we see Hunter Meadow um, making really gross. Yeah, but that's disgusting and a mess. But but Melfi says, um, I've been here before the veal is, the veal's real nice or whatever. She talks about the veal. And oh, yeah. then it's a good dish. And then that the 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 scene with um with Richie, he goes, veal parmesan sandwich, fuck you. That kind of thing. I'm more of an eggplant parm girl myself. Um I love eggplant parm. It's mm. my favorite dish. It's one of my favorite I dishes. Want that it does cut up your tonight. mouth a little bit. Um but yeah. it's a very it's very time consuming. I know. That's veal parm is like making a chicken parm. Um, We always did food segments on our last podcast, and um, we're not really going to get into the main food segment right now. Well, there's not much to talk about. But we're going to put some veal recipes up on on our website. However, I must say that I'm anti-veal, but I think the reason why veal is used in this episode- I don't eat meat either. uh, Yeah, I don't really eat that much of it myself, but but a lot of people do, and I'm not here to piss on anyone's parade, yeah. so we're going to put recipes up because we all know how to cook this well, stuff. Well, actually, I do eat meat once in a while, but not veal. Yeah. I don't think I've ever eaten veal. Is that weird? It's delicious, Chris. I have seriously- But I, I made, won't eat it. I made a beef meatball last night with my sauce, which I was like, oh my God, and I tried. I haven't had a beef meatball yeah, we rarely in eat beef. years, and I was like, God, this is good. Yeah. Oh my God. We had yeah. steak the other night. You did? And I we accidentally left so the barbecue on, and it went up to 700, and we <gasps> almost set the whole fucking neighborhood oh on gosh, fire. The whole mountain. Um, but that was my steak night, and I think that was a message not to eat steak. No. Because I, I really don't eat it. Talk um, to me about veal. You're going to But anyway, my, my, my thing with veal, I, I just was asking myself, like, and I don't know if I'm, if I'm reaching too far here. Because you know I like to do that on the rewatches, no. but but I did wonder why veal was mentioned twice in the episode. I thought that was strange. So my theory on that is that it is a caged, you know, it is a, trained in a cage to stay tiny and tender and small and and not um, to to never really grow. Um, and of course, it is the tastiest that way. Because it has no Ugh, it has no muscle, um, but I do think that um, that there's something to be said for that in terms of this episode um, that they're not matured, and um, yeah. and I think that there's something about well, that. Back to your thing of dealing being childlike, with, and yeah. Because then we go uh-huh. into the you know Melfi is at um, at her therapist's office Peter and she's talking about mm-hmm. feeling. Yes, Peter Bogdanovich, which is, we used to call him Bogsy on set. He's an amazing director in his own right. Paper and, Moon. And uh, a Last Picture Show. Mm-hmm. And um, he, he used to be a writer before that, before he became a director, film analyst and stuff. And he actually has a great interview, if you guys ever want to check it out, on David Chase. I think he's done a couple of oh, interviews. Oh, I saw that. Before we started our first podcast. Yes. I talk about it, it a lot. Me. It was a great interview. It was great. And I talk about it a yeah. lot on, the, on season one of our rewatch, our last podcast. Uh-huh. Um, Episode one, and it's a great interview, and yeah, you can learn a lot about David Chase and and Peter Bogdanovich is one of the coolest dudes. He really is. Yeah, there's he something was really about good his speech patterns and the way he holds himself. Oh, he's a classy in interview. He's so like poised. Yeah. Right? I really, I love it. really admired him, and I loved spending time with him is, is on, this, on the show. Is this the scene with that water bottle that like he's? Yeah, you the, thought it was funny that he was drinking out of a water bottle. It was just like. 
it wasn't funny, but it was like so normal. Like that's what you would he's think. Just, he did you some good bring, acting. You bring your big water bottle to work, and that right. was his big. And I thought something was going to happen, or th- she was looking at it like I don't know. I was like, is that? Would you remember her shrink in the last season? Which one? Her uh, Melfi's shrink. It was oh, recast. Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. But he was very funny, and yeah. Peter has also has a funny way of playing. The role where you know you can really kind of identify with him and stuff, mm-hmm. but um, but she, as a you know, <clears throat> it was a really great scene as far as therapy goes for any of you out there that have ever been in therapy. I felt like he gives his analysis of what went on, yeah, um, and then she goes ten times deeper. She's like, "That's not it," and yeah. it's really our job in the therapist's office to uncover those truths about yourself, about yeah. yourself, mm-hmm. as opposed to someone saying, and this is what you were doing. Cause you can kind of be swayed by that. Yeah, absolutely. You can almost, you know, play into that prophecy. If, if you, if you're, if you're not strong enough and a yeah. lot of us who are in therapy sometimes are not strong enough. So when you come upon those realizations by yourself, I feel like that was a great, um, example of someone in therapy. And she comes upon the realization that, um, you know, he was giving her she more was of a regr- free pass. Yeah, and she said, I regressed into a little girl thing to escape the responsibility for abandoning yeah. him. I love it. I, it's I so it. good because <laughs> have you... I mean, we've all come into counter with people that we've, like, separated with or had a fallout. And then you say something so stupid. You're like, why did I overcompensate? Why did I say that? Or why did I do that? When you're an actor, it's like, it's all written for you. And you're like, imagine if I could have said what I said in that scene in my real life. Oh, I probably would. If I was an actress, I probably would be just... (laughs) Just saying words of other people have written for me. Oh, my God. Me. I'm like, hey, can we make this even snappier the way you wrote this fucking comeback? <laughs> I remember on Shades of Blue, I got to, like, punch some girl in the face that was sleeping with my husband. I well, was like, imagine if I could really, really do, do that? that. I have friends who's, who've done that. I won't mention any names. I want to know who. Oh, my God. It's good. We'll talk. Maybe on the drug episode, I'll, I'll reveal it all. Okay. Um, oh, Janice. Yeah. She runs it. The yoga. She's have, What's she's, the first thing that comes to your mind when, they're, when she's in her? Downward dog? No. What's her first position? Cobra. Yes. Cobra. Why? Why do they have her in cobra? Because he's a snake. Because she's a snake. They're both snakes. They're both snakes. <clears throat> Excuse mm-hmm. me. Oh, and then I, I like here it says... Um, well, I like that he says that uh, the whole thing about being in jail and he goes, mm-hmm. it's where I picked up this yoga shit. Yeah. You know, that's the way I would talk about yoga probably or meditation. See, yeah, fucking, you know, I was uh, oming my way through fucking recess last night or whatever the fuck. But they're I don't flirting. They're about. totally flirting, those two, um, after. She sa- oh, I like this part at the end. Um, I get, He says, I guess we're getting a little old. And... Uh, she says, if that's our choice. Oh, I didn't even pick that up. Yes. And I rewound it and I was like, did she really just say if that's our choice? Is that foreshadowing his demise? Interesting. To a degree, which happens later on. I didn't on. even get that. Um, Excuse me. Yeah, I felt like, you know, she's like in some ways either watch out. Yeah. Or... Yeah, there was a definite weird energy to the scene, more than even just flirting. Like I, again, it was his his dead eyes, but nothing dead about well, them. Well, it made me think what happened with them? What was their history? 
Something had well, happened. Well, they were terrible for each other. Yeah, but there's but something. They talk about it later. Yeah, I know. But I, I want to know. I want like specifics. I want specifics. You know, I really want to know what happened in the relationship because she's definitely like pushing him back. Well, yeah, he he probably was violent. Yeah, you know, he probably had that streak still. But um, yeah. Anyway, I love that scene. So then we're at the. Um, They're back at the mall. Yeah, the mall. And I love these mall scenes. And I can't imagine how difficult that must have been. David was even saying yeah. it. Those were a lot of scenes at the mall. So they had to shoot those all in one day. That's a lot of dialogue. It's a lot of walking and talking. And that shit's not easy. No, you have it's... to walk and talk. He and I didn't really get into it. But when they do the wide shot, it's usually a two shot of you guys walking and talking. There's no singles. So like right now, if we fuck up, we can cut to these singles. Um, but... When you're doing a, a a walk and talk two shot, there's no cutting. Well, it's so like, you have to get it right. It's like them saying playing an instrument and singing at the same time is like the hardest thing. That's what people say. I wouldn't know. I wish well, I knew. I don't. I, I don't wish know. I knew. I know. Our lives oh, would be so much easier if we were singers. I know. Maybe I, or maybe not. Or play drums like Rob. But I, I would assume it's the same thing. I don't know. I'm not an actress nor a singer. So no, I don't but know. the walk and talk. It's because it's one camera shot. Oh, okay, gotcha. So I had to do that with um, with J Lo. Oh and I kept God. fucking up. And, um, oh, who's directing us? Oh, it was my favorite. Um, Robocop. Why am I blanking? What is his name? Peter Weller. Oh, yeah, yeah. Peter was Weller. directing mm-hmm. us. And I love him as a director. And uh, I kept fucking up the dialogue because I was nervous. Oh, of course. I was nervous to be with Jen and the walk and talk. I, I probably was on my friggin' period or some shit and didn't have my lines straight in my head the way they oh. should have been. And I fucked it up over and over again and I asked them if I could take a minute because I needed to go like take a quarter of an Ativan because I knew that once I got into that spiral mm-hmm. of continuously fucking up, I couldn't stop and Jen was going to kill me. Yeah. I felt so bad. Oh my god! I don't it's even nerve know wracking. How you the would walk do a and talk is like nerve wracking. Yeah, I can't even imagine. In a, in um, a so, two shot. So we, you know, he's basically served ten years, and he thinks he deserves. In my head, I feel like he thinks he deserves the respect for that, and Tony's not giving it to him. Yeah, and he probably he he spent mm-hmm. ten years in prison. Didn't rat anybody out. Yeah, no. Um, and he's out, and he wants what what's his. And Tony's like, well, let's you know hold on on my terms here. But uh, we already talked about that. But I think it's also that there's zero patience on Richie's part. And he's a wild card. And I think the patience thing is a big issue. Well, it's funny because what I just realized when you're saying that, he gets obsessed with certain things, Richie. Because he was obsessed with Beansy. Beansy really didn't do shit to him. And it's almost like he's obsessing over the fact he keeps like, the save Tony with the card game and Tony owes him kind of thing. And he's like taking the upper hand. Like, don't you remember entitled. when I, he's entitled? I think that's another theme of this episode. Yeah, actually, There's a lot entitled. of entitlement throughout with, with the kids. Um, and he's with, entitled with, with Beansy. Yeah, you're right. There's a lot of entitlement issues. Entitlement, and then that all absolutely. leads right back into the hypocrisy of everything. Yeah. But, but, um, I, I really don't understand why he is after after Beansy so much. I mean, this guy, it's like he well, killed Beansy his mother. Well, was, Beansy was, was moving heroin for him, I think. Well, they say that and what, they lead to that um, at the scene where he chases him with the gun, right? But I Outside. think that a lot of people would like for, yes, in that yeah. scene. Um, 
I think a lot of people, when they're away, they're expecting their business to keep going and that money's being put away from them. I mean, imagine, remember, remember what happened when Pussy showed up? Yeah, and, same thing. And the guys were like, yeah, I kept part of your money. We, we took, we got some of your money, but yeah. but not all of yeah, it. Yeah, you'll get, yeah. you get it. We'll break you off a little bit. You'll mm. get back a little bit. Um, so then Janice goes to Olivia's house. It's destroyed. And then um, she gets some mail... And she sees, we see that she's got disability checks coming in. Yeah, which Free, is freeloader. You, you know, know she's a bullshitter, more hypocrisy. Hip bullshitter. Bullshitter. Yep. Yeah, taking money. You know, taking money yeah. where she shouldn't be taking no, money. And she's doing yoga. She's 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 got disability, but she's with doing, her carpal tunnel. But well, yeah, she yeah. can put this hand down exactly. and it's down where she's no, I mean, I mean, and that's probably definitely the reason why they put them in that yoga they, scene together. What sure. about that song that plays when she pulls into the driveway? Like that Prince one. of Peace song by Pharaoh Sanders. It's like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And then she totally switches oh, sides, like it. what you said, to for her own. Oh yeah. yeah. Now she's all, you know, Meadow needs to be punished. She's outraged. Yeah, and this is the whole spot where she, where their parenting gets challenged, and you and I already discussed it because we jumped ahead. Yeah. How we relate to everything because you know, guys, we like to relate to shit always. But we already talked about how people judge our parenting and whatnot because we use the word no and don't and fuck off and are you <laughs> fucking kidding me, are you kid? Kidding kid, me? are you fucking kidding me? But um, I love when Tony says to her, "You ride in here like some Vishnu come lately." <laughs> It was good. And um, and then he says, you're just here to pick the freaking bones. bones. That was a great line. That's a great line. Mm -hmm. I love it. I like when Carm told her to when she got all serious and just really, mama, you know, mind your yeah. fucking business and keep your mouth shut when it comes to my kids. But who was right? Who was right? I mean, I think Carm was right. I mean, I, this, I mean she, this woman. But is Janice right? Is Janice right about what? About that they're not they're, they're not they're not punishing her. Yeah. I mean, look, I, I don't. What know. would you do in that situation? I don't know. I mean, I would definitely ground my kids. I mean, that house was fucking trashed. And the fact that there was yeah, abs actually absolutely, I would ground puke them. everywhere. No, there are drugs there. There was it was Tony's mother's. It was her grandmother's house. They had drugs there. A kid OD'd. Let's not forget about that. And she was wasted. She was drunk. Of course. I don't know what I would do in that situation. No, all my kids would be grounded. And I wouldn't let them. She, like I said, she snaked right around them. Take away my Discover card. And I would do it for two weeks. Smile. It's so much harder to punish your kids and have them be mad at you than to just say, fuck it, do whatever you want. Well, I think we get totally um, exhausted as parents. And sometimes, and look, I'm guilty of it too. Sometimes you give in. I've punished my son for things and taken away electronics for, you know, a week. And, you know, three days in, I'm like, ugh. Yeah, because if they're not on their fucking electronics, they they're driving you crazy. Well, also, besides that, they, they have no communication to the outside world. Well, right now in this fucking yeah. quarantine, God so only knows. So I'm like, okay, well, maybe if you do extra chores, but that's still like, you know, they're getting their way. It's still not the punishment I that I set down for. So what and do we do? I don't know. We're fucked. 
Can you guys write in and tell us what you think about this, please? Parenting? Yeah. Parenting 101 we need, with we Dre need and some Chris. Lessons. We need some lessons. We you want might, you to teach us. My, you teach us. My friends ha- keep tabs on my on things I say to the kids, and they go, okay, chapter number 78, Dre's Parenting 101. Oh, they do? Oh, my Who? God. My friend Amanda. Oh, I love my friend Amanda Silverman, not Amanda Cavallacci. Okay. She will totally make jokes because when I say certain things to the kids, she's like, Okay, that's totally normal. Your kid is not going to be traumatized. Everything will be fine. Because I say bizarre shit. You do say bizarre shit. And your kids are the most, like, (laughs) level-headed, normal, little, cute beings. I mean, obviously they have everyone's I'm like, don't touch that. Your hands will fall off. (laughs) (laughs) Well, by the way, I have my kids' pet. My fear in life is snakes. And I, whenever I'm in the backyard, my backyard, I'm always like, watch out for snakes. I say it every day to them. And I have created uh, their their own. I've created, I, I put, I'm, I've projected my fear onto them. So they're going to have a whole thing now with snakes as well. Well, you guys have been watching me raise blackjack by myself, single mom. So you see how nervous I get about certain things when the boys are doing boy things and I'm always overprotective. So mm-hmm. I know you and Dave probably have like a, a secret behind my back dialogue no. of how, of how neurotic I am. But a lot of it has to do with being a single mom. I honestly, I know s- I can't juggle both. But you say that, but I really don't think you're no, neurotic. You don't think I'm ner- well, I think I've calmed down what a lot. What was, okay, for the kids, we're totally digressing, but who cares? What is your most neuro- what is your most neurotic thing like that you always get like I'm snakes like I have put I'm the fear afraid of-, of one of my kids dying Oh Jesus Christ Okay let's not go there I'm not kidding <clears throat> I'm afraid of you That's know. every parent's worst fear No but like it's it consumes me sometimes to the point where it's you, unnatural You're this is Okay whatever's th- in are- your head is not coming out of your mouth because you do let your kids be kids I've seen but Black I, Jack's do you know how hard it is for me to child let go? sometimes and you let him be his wild child But you had in the beginning when you first met me when I was in another relationship that I was in I was very like well that's because I was that energy very was very nervous all the time and I worked so hard on letting go of of that cuz I didn't want my fear and my panic and my anxiety <clears throat> to to take over their lives yeah you know well what I mean? that was a different energy that was surrounding you so I think you're You've you've definitely anyway. gotten rid of it. Anyway, I like junior, when he says to her though, "You got a lot of balls." Yeah, you got a lot of balls. You got a lot of balls. So juniors at um, the doctor's office with Richie, yep. and Richie visits. Yeah, and we talked about this scene. With, yeah, with uh, with David, so we can move on from that. But, but yes, Richie is um, basically saying he's making it absolutely clear that he is with Junior. Yeah, he's making a play. That's it. Yeah. And you know what I thought about that, which I'll be fast because I know we already spoke about this. Um, I f- the look in Junior's face when he says that to him, it made me feel like Junior was going to do something about that. Like w- like maybe put another hit on Tony. Like, oh, you're my ally now. I have muscle now. Oh, great. Yeah. Okay. I'm gonna th- like I saw the wood burning. You know. Yeah. Yeah. The they'll, they'll, stuff will come up. And I was as like, that know. sucked because they're those two. You know, Tony went out on a limb for well, him. Well, just for a second there, there was a mo- this beautiful moment with them where he carries him out of the house with his hip. I know. That's and why now- I'm saying I thought that everything was on the mend. Yeah. Tony was the one who had to forgive, and he looked like he was doing that, and now Junior's going to mess with him again. Not snakes. okay. They're all snakes. shifty-eyed snakes. And then the boys send Richie off with the stripper. And then he's wearing all black with white shoes, which I find extremely sexy. Of course you do. I love it all black funny. with the white shoes. Uh, mm-hmm. And he likes to be in pitch black darkness when he is being sexually around. Why do you think? 
We have a lot of blowjob action in this episode. Yeah, why do you think it, he needs the dark? I mean, I obviously think, I think it's something to do with jail. I mean, he's in jail for 10 years. <sighs> so I figured that, like, maybe he was getting his rocks right? off and maybe it wasn't with a woman and he had to shut the lights off because he had to pretend it was with a woman. Well, maybe so he that- had no choice. Well, I would think that in, my, in, the, in, the, in prison he'd have some sort of protection, though. But that's a good point. I don't know. That's what because what? she makes a reference to him being liking being in the dark. Yeah, she's like. Also, yeah. if if uh, I was getting a blowjob by all of these <laughs> yeah, girls with, 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 I mean, you know, I love boobs, but like those were like, that's a that's a lot of boobs, a lot of hair, a lot of yeah. There's a lot of action lot happening of action. in there. I he, might have wanted to just do all the, the lights. He was in done. the spotlight right <laughs> in that scene for sure. Um, and then um, oh. Richie and B and Z have the encounter. We oh, talked wait, about but hold them. on. They were all giving him money. That wasn't a – I wish we could a- ask Michael Fran- Francis this question right now. They were giving him like a boost well, like he was at the wedding. I know because he got out of jail. It's a celebration. Of but sorts. I love how they, he just they keep giving – and he's unhappy. You can tell. He's, he's, he's mad because Beansy's not there. Like what is this fucking <clears> – <throat> What is this obsession? Like you said, it's an obsessed. obsession. He's obsessed with this guy. Yeah. I he I feel like everything that is wrong, he just wants to take out on that guy. That's well, his, that's nothing's his, ever my fault. So yeah. that's a theme on the show well, where things are not their own fault. So anything that's going on in Richie's world, is gonna, that's going to be Beansy's fault. It's going to be Tony Soprano's fault, Meadow's upbringing. It's going to be her father's fault. Like everybody, uh, Janice says nothing's ever his fault. Yeah. He doesn't think anything's ever his fault. So this is a constant theme throughout the episode. Yes. And then also, this guy's just been in jail. He's got to take it out on someone. I mean, it's like when I'm in business, at, in business, when I'm creating whatever we're creating together, and I'm all these text messages and emails are coming in, and my kid walks in, and I'm like, snap at him. I know. For no reason. I just, I I'm like, I'm on the phone. I'm on the business. Or I'm giving them the, like, stop talking sign because I'm on a conference call. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's a very little relate. But this guy just got out of jail. He needs someone to freaking yeah take it out on. So he's gonna run. He's gonna back up over Beansy Gaeta. God, I wish I could do that sometimes. Not to my kids, but to some people. I don't know who. (laughs) Oh my god! (laughs) All right. No, I'm joking. I'm Um, joking. I would never want that. Was horrible. Okay. So I like how you see Richie run over Beansy, and because they're having a disagreement, and that is juxtaposed against the next scene. Which is at the Soprano house, where Carm goes to Janice's room. We, we might have to sit at a desk sometime. We might have to switch our studio up because I don't I know. know. I'm all my, rickety my, too. I, we're like sunken into this couch. My old lady back I know. and my knee. Okay, I'm just saying. I that. know. I'm the same. We way. might have to have two studios. One uh, at your, look, one first at your of house. all, my crotch has its <laughs> own web page at this point <laughs> because of the way I'm positioned. In yeah, this we room. might have to have two different two different uh, <laughs> podcast studios. Oh my god! One at a desk. It really does have its own web page. Okay, Soprano House. Carms goes into Janice's well, I room. I like how the Richie. Um, oh, you're back there. I, I like how the Richie Beansy <laughs> scene. How they. This is how they deal with an altercation. Yes, yes. And now you smash cut to the Soprano house and Carmela going to Janice's room to apologize. So you see the difference in how a male in that world deals with a disagreement compared to how the females deal with a disagreement. Women recover. They take ownership more. I don't yeah. know. I'm going to get – I'm sure I'm going to get murdered by all the men who, who listen and watch, but – I don't well, know. it's not in every case. It's not every no, man. It's just in general, women are quicker to empathize yes. and to have understanding 
for each other um, well, if they're decent women. Actually, it, you know, it is all relative. And then I think about my husband. Totally, because I know a lot of girls that are a bunch of motherfucking cunts. Yes. So. Agreed. So I'm just, you know what? I take it back. I take it back. My husband actually is probably one of the most um, forgiving, forgiving, and he's taking. He's the one that just this he, guy too, right teaches here, teaches me daily on how to take ownership and accountability and and worry about my side of the street right. and clean my side of the street before going and pointing fingers. And it's all a work in progress. And a lot of people can't do that. <laughs> and I, and I don't. And no. even when people can't do that, it's sometimes it's it's okay. Yeah. It's okay because okay. we're all at different points in our lives, but um, we try our best. But I did think it was interesting. She's, you know, that they that that's that the scenes were back to back, and um, and uh, <clears throat> there there's a fairness to it. I also thought it was interesting in the scene where they talk about Janice's son Harpo. How and mm-hmm. she says that the, that he changed his name. Yeah, because there's a reference later on <coughs> where excuse me where Richie visits Livia in the hospital. And they say Parvati, he, he calls her Parvati, and she goes, ugh, you know. Yeah. So they both are, this is definitely children escaping their mothers. Yep. And both of these mothers happen to be mother and daughter. So the, you know, she, what is, what is the saying? The acorn didn't fall, fall far, far from, from the, the tree, tree or some <laughs> shit. And then we have uh, Never Miss the Water by Shaka Khan. Playing. Yes. Mm-hmm. So then Richie runs over Be- Beansy. Which is the most brutal scene that we've had on The Sopranos as far as a, a, a violent, well, even when he beats him up later well, on. I think that's when we see it, just how evil he really is. Yeah. You it's know? crazy. It's crazy. Um, but anyway, Scrubs starts playing <laughs> as at the very end of, of him getting run over. And I think when he runs him over, you you know, this is a mess. Like, he's in a mess. He's in a world of shit now. Beansy's life is a mess. Richie's life's going to be a mess. Um, And now Scrubs is playing, and you actually see a fucking mess in the kitchen, in the Soprano kitchen. And these kids— And they can't carry it to—by the way— they can't carry a tune either. <laughs> well, Meadow, gonna, uh, Jamie can sing. She can sing, but she yeah. didn't for that. She was trying not to. Oh, really? Yeah, I, I mean, I don't know. I, to me, it looked like they were trying because I know Jamie's a good singer. Yeah. Um, but it definitely, um, definitely not uh, Hunter. <laughs> well, this scene, again, I think the way I was saying, I liked how it went from the Beansy Richie encounter mm-hmm. right into Carmela and Janice making up yeah. right into Richie actually running Beansy over and then straight to Meadow and Hunter cooking because the subject of what they're talking about here yeah is it basically sums up what's happening in the whole fucking show um and it's a mess they're creating a mess the song scrubs is playing mm-hmm. um basically David Proval, Richie Aprile is saying, I'm not your fucking scrub, mm-hmm. you know, to, to Beansy. There's, she, Meadow even says, it's so hypocritical considering how my dad makes a living. Yeah. Um, so it, it is hitting on the hypocrisy right there. And you know that she's never going to be held accountable never. for anything in her life because her dad can't fucking punish her because he kills people yeah. and he extorts people and he manipulates people. So how the fuck is he ever going to tell his teenage daughter, don't do this, don't do that? Where, are, where take, are your and morals? Her, and where her take your... him seriously. Of course. Never. She can because she's never murdered anyone. 
But she can look at her mother and say, but you are married to this. Yeah, exactly. So how dare you try and tell me what the fuck to do? And that's that's what she is and that's who she is in that, in that family for so, sure. But those kids don't stand a chance unless she becomes her own mother. Yeah. Know, unless she does take some sort of accountability, which we see in the end mm-hmm. um, what the choice is. But I also like how the kids say, just puke and you won't get in trouble. Like if you fake illness, if you fake insecurity. Oh my God, that's right. Yeah. Um, which is also goes back to Melfi with the mm-hmm. toodle fucking ooh. If you, you know, if you manipulate someone into thinking you're somewhat weaker than they are, then, then, you know, it's a manipulation it's tactic. Made, yes. So yeah. That, and this show runs on that a lot, mm-hmm. which I think is great. So Livia in the hospital when Richie visits with those flowers mm-hmm. and that he's really going there to see <laughs> Janice. I like when she goes, only pimps beep. Because <laughs> he says, I used to come outside and beep the horn for her. Yeah. And she goes, pimps beep. <laughs> <laughs> she was so good in this scene again, Livia. Oh my God. So great. Oh, just uh, her timing, everything. And then, I could uh, watch her. I could watch her uh, just a, a show just on like just that character. Well, she's another one with the eyes. Yeah, it's you it's know amazing. you can just watch her do nothing and no. stare. Yeah, it's just her, um, the face, the facial movements, the the hands, like, everything. It's so good. She, I was talking about Richie April for a minute. Um, Jackie, oh poor baby. Yeah, like you actually think she gives a shit about somebody for a change. Um, we have one of our words that we always like. We always like our words. Go ahead. Say that word, Chris. Statazit. Oh, you like to say that I love that, that word. I, I've been saying that word my whole entire life. Hmm. Mm-hmm. I like when you I say like it. Say it again. One. Nope. Look at me. You get it once. Fuck off. You get it once. All right, fine. Um... Oh, you know what was great in this scene? When Livia says to um, Janice, you know, there's stuff going back and forth. Janice is like kind of reprimands Livia for for being a martyr again. And um, Janice, Livia realizes she's losing. And she's like, remember what I said to you last week? She's referring to the money. She's trying to pull oh, yeah. Janice back yeah, in yeah, again. Yeah, 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 yeah. Right? But she's- she also says shame. Oh, I got plenty of shame. Believe me, you don't want to oh, hear of course. what I'm ashamed of. Because she was hinting that she's ashamed of Janice. Yeah. I mean, and, and immediately Richie sees where Janice's weaknesses still are. Mm-hmm. So he'll be able to play upon that. Um, and that, yeah. So it just keeps going And then going after she says the shame thing, I think that's when she says about the, the money conversation and reminding her that she's got the money. So still. Like control. Manipula- yeah, manipulation manipulation, and control. Yeah. Can't speak. And then I like at the end of the scene when they go to the um, to the diner and um, to, to the cafeteria. The cafe, yeah. And she, because, you know, she says, why would I get involved with you? What We weren't good together 20 years ago. And he says, I don't think I'd be interested in the same Jan I knew. Yeah. Um, so they both, and she's like, oh, what? So you've grown? <laughs> yeah. He goes, well, you tell me, would you ever think you'd see Richie April doing downward facing <laughs> dog? Guys, don't be fooled by fucking meditating yogis all the time. Yeah. Because sometimes they're fucking crazy. They're crazier. Yeah. ER. Oh, yeah. It's true. <laughs> okay, so we're at lunch. That's not to say that, because we do all that shit, too. <laughs> but some of them, sometimes... No, we are crazier than anyone you know. <laughs> ER. We're definitely crazier. <laughs> oh, my okay. God. Um, Soprano's lunch at the kitchen counter, and the family's bashing on uh, Janice's foods. 
And then me- this is where Meadow, Meadow um, said, drop the F-bomb. Bomb. Why? I can't speak today. Uh, the party wasn't my fault. How many fucking times do I have to say it? Mm-hmm. There's your theme. Not my fault. Not my fault. But not the my thing fault. is, if my kids talk to me like that, I, I mean, I'm not there What would yet. I do if my kid talked to me like that? Oh, my God. Come on, you tell would, us. Your kids, tell the audience your what I would do would, if my kids said that to You wouldn't me. have to do anything because they would say it first. It would be like a knee-jerk reaction. You would look at them, and they would start crying. Do you know what my kids would do? What? They'd punish themselves. Yeah, they totally yeah. would. That's right. My kid, I don't even know what my dragon kids would do. Mom. I'm not I'm there the yet. I'm the dragon mom. I'm not there yet. Um, but Meadow is going as far as she fucking can. Because let's face it, and I, this is what I explain to my kids a lot, which is why I don't mind that I'm such a dragon mom with them. But I explain this to them a lot. Um, I say, look, when, when they get in really big trouble and they're, they tell me that they're afraid to, they don't want to get in trouble because they're afraid of how I'm, I'm going to react. I'm like, listen, you need to fuck up. You need to get in trouble. Yeah. You need to, to learn, learn the consequences. I was like, you fucking up is not the issue right now. What the, the issue right now is how you're going to recover. Exactly. Mm-hmm, to pivot. Yes. So every day I'm like, think of this as an opportunity. Don't think of you getting in trouble today as the end of the world. Think of it as an opportunity to grow. So you're just basically saying you feel busted right now. How are you going to readjust? Exactly. Because that's the lesson. That yeah. is the lesson we, Always. we need to teach them. Absolutely. Always. Not to be in fear. No, because life to tell is the all truth. about that. It's readjusting. Yeah. yeah, that's why we're doing this show. Totally. We love that theme. Okay. Uh, Tony's driving in the rain and when he has the panic attack, which we think is real, but we realize it's um, Melfi's dream. She's dreaming it the whole time. I'm out of the woods, out of the dark, <laughs> out of the night, step into the sun. Into yeah, so the Wizard of Oz song is playing Optimistic Voices. 1939 oh, such classic. a good choice. Mm-hmm. Um, keep straight ahead for the most glorious place on earth. Some of the lyrics from the song. Yeah, I know. You want to go? You can I know. No, I'm going to stop. Okay, I'll good. stop singing. My mother never wanted me to. Uh, yeah, actually, that was pretty good. I'm actually <laughs> impressed. <up>. I'm not psych. <laughs> I am. That was really you bad. You try to have a singing career. You just See, stop. I, just, I think I need to do a show like <laughs> y- Yes or No Who Can Sing? Because yeah. I feel like I'm an authority, even though I oh, can't sing. I'm not sing. one of them. I can't sing, though. I can't sing either. Okay, so Tony's driving in the rain. We realize that this is Melfi's dream. Why does she... This was a question. Horrible crash... She wakes up, she writes down what the dream was about in her book, and she's really focused on the Prozac. Do you think that she's worried that the Prozac, I mean, I don't know anything about that drug. No, I I lived on it for years. And I'll tell you what, when I went off it, I did become one of those people that had weird, um, a very adverse reaction to it. I wasn't, I was never somebody who was really suicidal or anything. uh And when I, I had, I suffered from a lot of depression when I was young. But when I went off that drug, it was, I, I don't know if it was because I knew that everybody was having these suicidal thoughts after coming off the meds. Oh, so it was so like a law of attraction. You heard about it. You thought it was going to happen to you. I don't know, but I definitely, it was not, um, it wasn't good. Coming off that drug wasn't easy. But I, she underlines Prozac so many times in, in oh, that book. Yeah. I don't know. Those maybe. are insert shots. I wouldn't even put too much. We, you know, we do these things when we do our fucking inter- insert shots. But um, yeah. Okay. So I thought that was so interesting that she had that little dream. Tony visits Beansy in the hospital. We see him in that full body cast with the pins and needles. Ew. Holding like his, his calves and, or um, shins. But he might not ever walk again. They no. talk about that. And he insinuates that he mm-hmm. might want to rat out Richie. 
Um, and again, you know, you don't do that. And Tony Soprano, as much as he hates Richie, yeah, you know, is giving him eyes like, uh-uh. You know no. what I mean? And you don't tell the boss you're going to rat anything out. Yeah. I mean, just a stupid move. Um, the the wife was pissed, which any wife would be. She's like, this isn't your friend. No. When and she goes to... Oh, yeah. Yeah. But again, this is another situation now where Tony's going to have to clean up someone else's mess. Always. Um, so it's a mess. It's mm-hmm. a fucking mess. And now Tony's in charge of that mess. Back to the mall. Back to the... They like the fucking mall, these boys. They like the mall. I mean... But maybe that's a whole thing because in youth, you just go hang out. You're a mall rat. True. Oh, I didn't even think you're of that. You're a mall rat. It just came to me. Oh, I like so it. So maybe that's why they're meeting at the mall. Who knows? Maybe. Um, Tony's I love telling, this line. I thought I told you to back the fuck off, Beansy. I did. Then I put it in drive. <laughs> but um, bump. Imagine having that fucking line. So good. <laughs> so good. He's got balls, man, Richie. Oh, Moxie. Stone face. Balls. I, stone face. I mean, he's so... And then having him on this interview, he's literally like the giggliest laugh. I, it's so opposite from this character he played, which is amazing. Um, How much do you want to get your hands on that? Um, what? On that audition tape? Oh my God! I'm gonna call um, Sheila Jaffe <gasps> and ask her. Oh my God! Then if we she can would play ever it on share our it with YouTube. us, I'm gonna ask David if he's okay with that. I wonder if we. And can... then I'll send it to David first, and then he has to approve it, and then see if he if <laughs> we can put it in between. Yes. No. Yes. No. Not even for us to air it. Just I want to air it. See I want to see it and show all our. No, listeners. I want to give it to David. Okay. I want okay. David to see it. I'm just he thinking was... about our listeners and myself. I know people would love that. though. Oh my God, that's the oh stuff God. you want to see, right? Well, if he wants to, if he wants to, but I think um, that would be really fun if they could uncover. I wish that they could find my audition tape. <gasps> but you, yes. That would okay, be now really we're diverting. Fun. But yes, okay, can we sorry, find guys. that? Sorry, guys. Producers, make a note. Find Dre's soprano. I would have to really butter up Sheila Jaffe tape. for that one. See if we can do something. Please. <laughs> I beg you, please. Okay. I to- love the closing of this episode. I really do. It goes back to the ambiguity of the sopranos. And what is what is everyone thinking? What was the point of the scene? Um, and again, it leaves it up to us yeah, always. To, d- to discern, what, you know, to decide what we really, how we're feeling about it. And, um, so what happens? Go ahead. It goes back to the song Scrubs, TLC, Scrubs. Um, this is when Tony's at Livia's, right? And the locks change. He sees Meadow through the window scrubbing the floors. Scrubs. 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 Yeah. And, um. I feel like he's, he's, conf- is, is he confused? I mean, she's, well, he's, I or is tell. he proud that the fact that she's kind of punished herself? She took it upon herself to do the right thing. But and you know, I went right back thing. in the episode and I didn't see the turning point for her. Oh, yeah. Because she was really antagonistic mm-hmm. in that last scene we see her in. Well, I think. What? I, know. She, I wonder if there was a scene that got cut. I think because she was listening, there was a whole thing. I think the turning point actually was when Janice came in and Janice was, you know, she needs to be punished because her aunt always had her back. But she and was she's upstairs, lis- No, right? she was listening on the stairs. Listening she on comes the stairs. down and she's hearing basically 
you from an out from a different perspective. Oh, right. She's, she's not in that scene at all. No, but she's listening and she's hearing her aunt say, "Oh, that was this, a turning point. This child is, you know, right, right, out right. of control." Out. You guys. So she's hearing someone else talk about her to her parents, and now she's hearing her parents having to defend her and yeah. say, "This d- get the fuck out of my business." This well, is Janice my... was right, but then you, she. Oh, here we go. You're right. You're actually right. The you snake brought it right, right back, and she realized that, and she's like. Oh, it's hard not to feel bad when you hear your parents having to defend you on something you did wrong. Right. And she was manipulative even to the last second. So she was probably like, shit, like now my parents are even getting into a fight with, you know, my aunt, his sister. Also, all remember because of when her. Carmela. All because of her. Yeah. And that's probably what drove her to claim. But not even so much that, but you remember when Carmela says to Livia when Livia calls and she hangs up on her, she goes, and why do you think she can never hold a fucking job? Yeah. You know what I mean? So again, Meadow could very easily become another Parvati Yeah. if she's not parented Well, Carm, I think Carm keeps her on the straight and narrow. I think that balance. But she also, like I said, no accountability with Carm because she's like, you married a murderer. Yeah. The fuck are you? Who you and your Christianity and your Catholic? She's also a hypocrite. She's got she goes, a little... I'm not going to tell Parvati not to stay here. It's not Christian. Meadow. And Tony Soprano goes, that works out fine because she's fucking Buddhist. But still, the fact that she that he would say, the fact that she, you know she would even say it's not Christian. Mm-hmm. Well, what the fuck do you do that's even Christian? I feel like Meadow, Meadow has a moral compass. She does, even though her mm. father kills people. Well, wait she... till we get to the university episode. All right, I will. Okay, mm. so what are we doing? Anyway, I love that moment. Um, she is taking accountability. Yeah. She d- is taking accountability. He notices it. And again, we don't know if he's like, shit, did I not punish her correctly? Or shit, is my kid a, a, you know, a better person than I am? Like what? Mm-hmm. Or is he just moved by her, by her own um, initiative? I don't really know what it is, but he is definitely confused and mm-hmm. we're all confused Taken at the back, end of the episode sure. the way we're confused at the end of season seven <laughs> yeah. anyway that's it guys for our soprano rewatch thank you thank for you. joining us and david proval thank you to our special guest are you going to read the closing for us kushner no you're going you're good tune in next week for episode four coming dory coming tori Maybe I'll do it. Yes, cut that. Cut it. <laughs> Could you go? <laughs> Please help me. I'm going to read the closing for you guys. I'm going to do the. I'm going to do my part. Mm-hmm. I'm going to do my part. I think I like when you when you do your part. Go ahead. Okay. Thank you. That's it for season two, episode three. Tune in next week for episode four. Commendatory, <laughs> where Tony and his colleagues take a business trip to Italy. Carm tries to keep Angie Bompensero from filing for divorce and so much more. I would have liked to have heard you say Bompensero. Just hold on. (laughs) Don't forget to hit subscribe and be the first to hear episode four next Tuesday. Do it. See you next Tuesday. Mm, What does that stand for? Don't worry about it. (laughs) What does that stand for? You seriously don't know that, but you're, we already talked about this. I do know it. I know. God. Mm. Okay. Thanks for joining us, guys. See you next Tuesday. Gangster Goddess Broadcast is a UV Ways and Monkey Mind Music Group production. Theme song by UV Ways. Ah!